0: Welcome back to another Sega-tastic episode of Sonic the Comic, the podcast. We are the Humes who think we're in charge. My name, as usual, is Dave Bulmer. I'm opting for that this episode. As opposed to what? I could come up with anything, couldn't I? I could be Chris McFeely. (laughs) This is you, my name is... But that's my name! Nope, this episode I'm Chris McFeely. I guess that makes me Dave Boomer. <laughs> Happy Easter, Spike Balls! It's the Easter issue without any Easter content of Sonic the Comic starring Sonic the Hedgehog. And it does say starring the Sonic the Hedgehog, despite him being right there on the cover. Oh yeah,
1: that's a little uh Yeah. Well,
0: hmm. well no, isn't it normally that it says Sonic the Hedgehog, but it's his
2: face that's normally not there if he's not on the cover. You're
0: right there, you're right there, so it's it always the face. says it's, it's his little his So it's so we've got three Sonics. Sonic the Comic starring Sonic the Hedgehog, and there's a picture of him. Speaking of the picture of him I like this picture of him. I think this is good. This is Ed Hillier, and what he's drawn for us is Robotnik doing a big face, which I really like. It's a really cool cartoony face because, of course, we're into the cartoony Archie. No, the cartoony Adventures Robotnik now. And he's tying a bow around a big sort of glass egg that's got Sonic and a rabbit and a chicken. Don't know if they're the two named ones trapped inside and he's saying happy easter spike ball do you notice he's got the yes um... i
2: did <laughs> what was i gonna say
0: the little neck things yeah
2: the little, the little, ear the things. little metal ears that are more yeah. of a hallmark of uh of abc abc thank you <laughs> <All> <laughs> abc right.
0: robot i found yes. it almost as easy as one two three to be honest with it um what i also <laughs> notice is the he's wearing
2: like the Infinity Gauntlet? Yes, <laughs> yes. The, the little studs on the rim of his gauntlet are
0: are all different, different colors for some reason. This issue instead of their normal gray. That is because Ed Hillier looked at, took one look at it and went Infinity Gauntlet. I can't. <laughs> Maybe, <one> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I really like. I think this is a really good cartoon. Especially Robotnik's face. You know, yeah. it's, there's a bit of oddness where the eyebrows kind of connect to the nose. But apart from that... Oh, that's just that design in it. Yeah. And we should say this is issue number twenty-three of
2: Sonic we the should. Comic. Uh,
0: cover dated April fifteenth, released on April second. And Chris, if your stickers are missing, you got to please see a news agent about it. I have no memory of these stickers.
2: <laughs> I'm 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 quite sure they weren't missing or anything because I <laughs> would have kicked up stink, but I don't <laughs> remember owning them. You know because it was. Uh, free Eternal Champion stickers, plus 100 sets and albums to be won. But uh, mm. I, I think it was a little odd that they didn't give the album away. Mm, yeah. You, you tended to find that whenever whenever a comic would give stickers away, it would give the album away too, because truly what use is a pack of stickers without the album? Well, you can put them on your school folder. I mean, you can, but I mean, I'll I, largely I would like to know how they got an entire sticker album out of the one game. <laughs> Because it yeah, does wait look like minute. the stickers were all just screenshots from the game. Yeah,
0: especially since they would presumably have had to avoid certain, you know, overkill sequences <laughs> yes. in the production of the stickers. The response to our Eternal Champion special is making it
2: sound like the Mega Drive overkills weren't quite uh, yes. as bad as the Mega CD
0: overkills. <laughs> yes, I should Yes, I should have looked into that. It turned out what I was looking at was the Mega CD overkill. So yes, they they, they, they seem to have been a lot although I've since listened to a bit of a podcast that someone has uh, sent us in response to listening to our episode where um one of the people one of the uh, pixel artists who actually worked on those overkills um is interviewed or is the guest of the podcast and um, it's very interesting he tells a story I'm only a short way in so I'm sure there's lots more interesting stories to be told this is a podcast called How Did This Get Played? and um apparently they started off very, very reluctant to put any blood or anything like that in at all because this was the time that things like Mortal Kombat and um, what's the Mega CD one? Night Trap. Oh, yeah. Were coming under a lot of scrutiny because of their content. And so they were making it really, really tame. And then one day, just one artist went completely overboard in (laughs) drawing someone with their head properly, like, exploded and guts everywhere. And everyone in the office thought it was so funny that they, you know, because everyone working in games in the 90s was basically a schoolboy. And so... They just showed that to someone higher than them, and that person said, oh, do you know what? That's awesome. Just make a whole game of that. And that's why Eternal Champions has the DNA of a quite chaste thing that can exist in Sonic the comic, but actually contains this ridiculously gory content. As
2: I think I said, it just its not part of my mental image of yeah. Eternal Champions. I don't think but I that... even knew about those until you told me about them. Do we need to explain the concept of stickers and sticker albums?
0: Is that something people still know about? I I, I imagine that's something football fans still know about. Yes. We inherited it from them, we must admit. Did we inherit? I suppose we must have done. We must we? have done. Wasn't we? I suppose
2: we didn't think of it as a football thing, certainly no. in the 80s and
0: 90s. But I bet in the 70s, or even the 60s, you know, I bet whenever whenever this first happened, I bet it was football stickers first. Let's let let's do a brief overview. Yeah, I think maybe this wouldn't be an especially American thing. Mm, I feel that too. I don't yeah. know why.
2: So, so in the UK, at least, sticker collections um, and albums... It was like, it's like a sticky equivalent of baseball cards or trading cards. Exactly, yes. It's it's a collection of, how many would you say? What, 100, 150, something
0: like that? Oh, I've never thought about it. I I would go as high as 250, but unlikely. Unlikely, It depends how many pages your album's got. I don't know. Something to the
2: tune of that, uh, of collectible stickers of a film or a TV show or, Mm -hmm. in this case, a game. And uh, Mm -hmm. you you purchased them in packs of six for, oh, back in the day, it was 20p.
1: Yes, Um, it was.
2: And you could buy the album to stick them into the correct numbered spaces. And uh,
0: that was how it was. That was how we lived our lives. <laughs> yeah, and as with collectible cards, today they were blind bagged, so mm. you just bought your little packet and they were very very tightly, you know, vacuum packed. Oh, yes. So you you peeled the packet open almost and it had yeah, these odd...
2: tear it, you know, there was no, yeah, there was no there was no seam to open it along like a no. trading cards. You just had to rip that sucker. No,
0: and it wasn't foil, it was paper but with mm. a kind of sometimes a kind of a tacky waxy inside. Mm. And then it had these these stickers and if you were lucky you got Well, no, I would say usually you got one shiny or Ooh, a
2: shiny yes
0: <laughs> yeah per pack there was usually one weird one in there and those are yes the shiny ones are the ones that just had what's that stuff called where it's like repeat patterns of reflective stuff and as you tilt it it just catches the i light. think
2: the term we should probably use so everyone knows what we mean is like holofoil
0: ah uh, yes there you go yes. yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: don't misunderstand like <laughs> a shiny had a you know it wasn't you know Today, you hear people talking about a shiny. They're probably talking about a Pokemon. But but on the playground, when you were talking about how you got a shiny... That's that's what it was. That a shiny yeah. was was a sticker, was a special sticker, yeah. and those were ones that you know maybe had a special page in the album, or maybe if you were in one of those real
0: deluxe swanky types, a separate pull-out poster oh. that the shiny one specifically went onto. And stay tuned, listeners, because we'll be in one of those swanky ones in a number of issues' time. <laughs> Ooh! Now I tell you what, at least Japan knows about this because. Mario Sticker Star on the 3DS did shinies very well. You could tilt the 3DS around and the, the shiny would would move with the light in the correct fashion. So. And,
2: and maybe this is a thing in America. I it honestly may well be. don't know, but it's it, it always felt very British to me. It was always mm. the product of one company, so maybe that's why I feel it as
0: being such a singular local thing, you know panini true yes although there was also merlin but that brings us up to two companies so yeah Yeah. between the two of them they covered everything what were your sticker albums oh what sticker album you know i mean i think a lot of the ones i got would have
2: been stuff i got free with magazines i don't Ah. really remember going out of my because i certainly never completed a sticker collection yeah obviously as you say they were all blind bagged so after a certain point you stopped being able to reliably buy things to and, and they had a little slip in with the albums that would say you know to get the last few stickers you need you can post that's off right. for them
0: that's right you could fill in the last 20 25 mm. you needed and send it off with money of course yeah well, yeah. well my first one was Popples, mm. and that was i you know i liked that and i would put them in when i could but i you know you, you're talking about barren pages and every three pages oh, you yes. find one sticker or two but then i got the real ghostbusters one when i was about you know five starting school and that one i did put an effort in to finish it. I didn't finish it, and and part of that was because you never could, and part of it was because I did end up sticking some of the stickers around my bedroom in various places. But um, I made a real go of it, and that, you know, honestly, honestly, hand on heart, that sticker album was probably the singular product that the most informed my understanding of the iconography of ghostbusters more than anything else yeah. so like you know when you think of like oh the ghostbusters logo you've seen that so many times the yeah. sonic and knuckles logo. you've seen these logos so many times that they almost mean nothing to you but sometimes you can just catch this edge of the feeling that came with that logo when you were actually that age and to me, to get that feeling, I just have to think of the sticker packs, because the exact shade of like almost black, dark blue on the background of those Ghostbusters logos, both the, t- the text and the logo itself, that's where that feeling is to me. So those were quite important to me, and then, uh, and then later STC gave us another one, but it hasn't today. It's given us six measly stickers in a pack, which you and I probably didn't even open. I'm sure I opened it, but I have no memory
2: of what I did with it. I wasn't, wasn't going to not open it. I wanted to see what they were. You had to do that, because they were blind-packed. You
0: had to know. I agree with that, but I would have been so uninterested. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I haven't even checked. I wouldn't be surprised if it's still attached to my copy of the comic. I'll go and have a look at in- later on. When yeah, please.
2: Control, control zone. Control zone. The control zone is bursting with images in the wrong places. <laughs> 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 Megadroid wishes us an extremely excellent Easter. I was—I expect them to do excellent, extremely, yeah, or extremely. Yeah. But I suppose he's not Doctor Robotnik, is he? No. I suppose STC wasn't the kind of comic to do it. But in later years, you could have imagined a Doctor Robotnik takeover of the control zone, Ooh. where he would wish everybody an extremely excellent Easter. Yeah.
0: I feel like if I was in a cheeky mood, maybe as an April the first thing, Um, it'd be worth having Megadroid at least be reprogrammed by Robotnik to be a little badnik for for a little while, wouldn't it? Uh, Let's see what else. He um, talks about the stickers. Mm -hmm.
2: We're going to meet Captain Plunder and his pirates of the Mystic Cave in Sonic. We'll get to that in a minute. And we have some trailers for what's coming up in future issues as the current serials are coming to their end. Um, Yes, really looking forward to revisiting Sonic's World, which is uh, our look at what life on Mobius is really like
0: yes, yes really was, looking forward to that
2: as a guy what liked his lore when he was young <laughs> that one i was quite excited for and it paid off too and uh, also coming that issue in issue number 25 a hard-hitting new streets of rage story it is oh, back. brilliant oh brilliant 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 i'm looking forward to that yeah but uh we can have a sneak peek of what's coming if we flip
0: over to the back cover yes. of the issue right now Okay, let's do it, because the whole back cover, sometimes there's an advert there, sometimes there's a next issue there, but this, this is just a full-page picture, it's almost a pin-up. I was gonna say, isn't it, except they've written on it. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly, but they've written on it, they've written, he's hell on wheels, top left, I feel like that's okay, you can put that on a pin-up, that's fine. Yeah. But then at the bottom we have this caption, skates who is the subject of the picture. He's on skates, he's jumping off a roof, he's got his arms out in a big pose, backwards baseball cap, men down at the, below shooting up at him, but he's jumping over them and their bullets. And it says, skates is coming to the streets of rage. Miss STC 25, if you dare. Not 24, which is the next issue. No, this is an advanced tease. Yeah. So this isn't even a next issue advert, this is a next but one issue. Yeah, this
2: one is by regular Streets of Ridge artist Peter Richardson.
0: But back to the control zone, and and we jumped the gun, Chris, because we've already covered the subject of the column in the middle. That's right, we did very early on, in fact, didn't we? That's right, it was when uh, we were doing our poster mag episode, but it was because... We were meeting up in person and I just wanted to show you the physical things. Yes, because uh, STC are giving
2: away the Sonic books, the uh, the graphic novel compilations of early Mm -hmm. Sonic stories from the comic. Book one, Beats the Badniks, contains uh, the Sonic stories from numbers one, two, three and four and
0: um, book 2 Spin Attack has the stories from six, eight, nine, and 10 and uh, those are pictured in the opposite order next to their names it says oh, so book 1 <laughs> <laughs> book 1 beats the bad nicks and then there's a picture of Spin Attack next to that and there, this is another one where there's no question
2: you just uh, you just yep. Write your name on a stamped, self-addressed envelope. Actually, it doesn't need to even be uh, clearly on a... No, just write your name on a, on a postcard or sealed down empty envelope mm-hmm. and post it to catch up with Sonic, Sonic Becoming.
0: What does it mean here? Entries must arrive by the 30th of April, 1994. Brackets, the correct closing date. Yeah, Italic's I saw that. I,
2: I don't know... They must have goofed up the closing date of a competition in a previous issue that we just didn't notice.
0: Maybe that was just a joke that was supposed to be between
2: them and then it ended up in print. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. The first 50 pulled out of Robotnik's old death egg will old receive death one egg. of the books. <laughs> Robotnik's old death
0: egg, I like that. We have established previously that I just personally didn't happen to know about this first three entries pulled from character's old thing trope at the time. Trope, though, it was. <laughs> yeah. But because of that, I actually have the vaguest memory of this one, and that because I didn't understand it and that it was just a joke, it may have been my earliest clue, erroneous though I now see it was, that we were going to get a new death egg. Which, I mean, within Sonic the comic continuity, that's true. That's exactly, we did get one, but that's not why they said it. I now realise for the first time. Oh, the meta text. Exactly.
2: (laughs) And it does note, coming up soon, uh, Streets of Rage and Shinobi. These books were published by
0: Ravette, Books. For only two ninety nine each. Two ninety nine—that is a bargain. I mean, it is, especially you know when the actual comic itself is what is it, one pound ten? Yeah, when
2: and then they were nice cardstock covers, and the pages were bigger, and the you, yeah. you saw all the, all the way out to the edges of the art.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Nice thick stock of paper too. Yeah. And one last note down here at the bottom is that they teased it last issue, as I recall, but uh, um, the back issue service, <laughs> where you could order back issues, has been uh,
0: put on hold. For, uh, at the last minute for some fine tuning. I wish I knew what the big deal with that was. They've been trying to get this thing launched since really early on. Mm. But what's so hard about it? I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure it's difficult, but I would have thought an outfit like Fleetway would already have a very similar thing going for other titles. Yeah, I guess.
2: I don't know, was it just the Sonic the Comic offices where you sent in your thing asking them and Richard Burton and his minions put them in <laughs> envelopes for you? Or was it a whole other <laughs> department somewhere in Fleetway where they... I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it would have been a hard thing to do, as you say, with a company that already had so many magazines that I'm sure I'm sure must have offered. Must have. I mean, maybe yeah. they didn't. Maybe Fleetway hadn't <laughs> done back issue services before now. That seems very hard to believe, though, doesn't it?
0: Oh, yes. At least it seems. It doesn't seem hard to believe that. You know, their other publications wouldn't have done it necessarily, but it seems hard to believe that this would be the one that they would, you know, we recognize it as the one that deserves a back issue service, but I, I don't really understand why it would feel different to them.
2: I don't know. I mean, well, we did talk an issue or two ago about how it was a different and deluxe kind of comic compared yeah, to but... your 2000 AD or something. And maybe, can, maybe oh, the guess, sheer yeah. demand was. I mean, we do, we do know that at some point STC was outselling uh, 2000 AD. Never forget, it was
0: it was big, <laughs> it was, you know? Yeah, It's so weird. It is easy to forget because of how it's been buried so completely by the rolling boulder of internet history revisionism that uh, it feels like it was an extremely niche thing, but it, yeah. it just wasn't. And as we've been doing this, we keep meeting or finding out that more people we actually know read it. The internet...
2: I hope people know that whenever we make jokes about yeah. Archie and everything, it, it is yeah. all in... in... We're just having a bit of fun. It's, it's done it's, with it's, love. It's, it's done with love, but essentially, it is our f- turn. Well, that's it. Because we, yeah. have, <laughs> we have had to listen to 25 years of internet culture painting this as some weird foreign thing that, oh, what a quirky little thing nobody really knows about when it was frigging huge here. So, frankly, it's our
0: turn to make a few jokes, and uh, but, <laughs> but, but
2: it is it is all intended to be
0: in good fun. Yeah. One thing more to say uh, about the welcome screen... I do believe the font has changed back.
2: (laughs) Yes, it has. Back to normal. (laughs) I forgot to look out for that. I just opened it and I saw it was the regular font, yeah. Just a little goof Uh, last issue, I guess. The FIFA FIFA Charts. I see FIFA International Soccer has re-entered
0: at number one. What happened there? How do you go from not to number one right away? I don't know, but look at Eternal Champions plummeting to number seven. Oof. I mean, but we can't necessarily judge that as a mark of quality for the game because... As you say, FIFA is at the top, Winter Olympics is at number two. This is the start of it, Chris. We're watching it happen. Games full of character and excitingly revolting animations shunted out of the way so the almighty FIFA can just sit in the top spot here, not even by the evil, because it's the first one. It's just pushed everyone else off the throne. It's sitting there, and it's still there today. Never
2: moved from that number one slot. Still at the top of the Mega Drive charts even now in
0: 2020. (laughs) Yep. The Steam Mega Drive charts. The (laughs) PS4 (laughs) Mega Drive charts. It's always there.
2: Pirates of the Mystic Cave. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Ellie Deville. When Amy is kidnapped by pirates, Sonic and the gang track the rogues down to the Mystic Cave zone. While searching the cave, Sonic and Tails are separated from the others, overwhelmed by flasher badniks and brought before the pirate's leader, Captain Plunder. Plunder demands Sonic hand over the Chaos Emeralds in return for Amy, but Sonic refuses, and a fight breaks out. It's Amy who ends the brawl by proposing that the Pirates and Freedom Fighters join forces to steal greater treasures from Dr. Robotnik. Plunder appears convinced and lets the heroes go, but he's already scheming to double-cross Sonic and steal the emeralds. Captain Plunder. Captain Plunder. So we mentioned him before. Captain Plunder is like one of the four big league original <laughs> characters for Sonic the Comic we had. Techno, Short Fuse, Grimer and coming in fourth, Captain Plunder. And honestly, Captain yes. Plunder is maybe even pushing it, but he he would get a few strips of his own in years to come, so you kind of got to
0: count him. But he's great i do love captain he he, because what he is is nigel kitching just dropping a big pirate into the comic (laughs) and how can that be a bad thing but before we hit captain plunder what we're at is a part which you know chris is inclined to almost skip over entirely that's because this is the the sort of story that as we've established i was always more interested in the new work chris because this is a nigel kitching doing the what zone haven't we had that the kids might be wanting to see, and he just gives us a couple of pages of here's what's in that zone, dramatized. Oh, but this isn't one of those, like, run the
2: features of the zone stories. You know, there's a... It there's is a, a sto- little bit. A little tiny bit in the sense that there are two bad well, what nicks. we've got it's it's not like it's not like we have sequences of bridges crumbling out from under them or people no. having to pull down vine switches to lower drawbridges or stuff it's just that the two bad nicks from the zone are in the story is all it really is
0: that's all it really is yeah and and maybe if he was doing this for the full seven pager he would include some of that stuff but yes it's well not only is it, it so it's two bad nicks that do belong here one of which is called Flashes. Um, Hey, I I wanted to check because I couldn't remember what those badniks were called. In fact, I was surprised to find I apparently never learned the names of almost any of Sonic 2's badniks (laughs) to the point that I had to look up if both of these are accurate. Uh, Friendly tip to Sonic fans, uh, do remember to write Sonic or Sonic 2 when you're doing a Google search for the word flashers. Um, (laughs) Although, I tell you what, I did like the top question in Google's list of frequently asked questions, uh, which was the question, what is a flasher person? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I got there eventually and yes they're called Flashes they're the little bugs that light up yeah. Nigel here has, has dramatized them as they they fill the air with electricity and they zap the hell out of you if you're anywhere near them you couldn't uh, bop them when they were lit up yes you would lose that was all dreams. it was in the game they yeah. just had invincible frames And uh, but before that uh, they meet some Crawltons, which is Sega's chain chomps they're yeah. the sort of worm ones that zip out and then back in and then zip out and back in and that's it. It was, it was just a bit of bopping, but to, again, to me, this was one of those, here's a bit of Sonic... Oh, sure, but it's always nice um,
2: to simply visit a zone from the games and see some badniks from the games, because it, it
0: grounds it in the world of the games. Even though, this time, we are comfortably seated in the new STC setup where you don't necessarily need to do that kind of thing anymore. And it reminds you all of this is compatible with that. With that, exactly, yeah.
2: So our story starts with... Um, Amy has been kidnapped again. Yes. I feel like (laughs) Nigel knew that was a bad look Mm -hmm. (laughs) because um, it established that Amy was only kidnapped by these pirates because she was protecting Tails. Yes. And foregrounds, Amy as like an active participant in... Admittedly, something we didn't see, but she wasn't just passively captured. She uh, yeah. And she is the one, as, as we said in the summary, who, who resolves the events of the story as well. So I feel like her role in the story is is Kitching, maybe knowing that having her be kidnapped again, hot on the heels of literally the previous story where she was also captured, is a bad look. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: First couple of issues for Amy were, were a rough go, weren't they?
0: <laughs> but that's because literally all the information they have about Amy Rose from Sega is she gets kidnapped. And I guess they're doing riffs on that.
2: Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, but you're probably right. It's like when it's her one character trait is like Sonic gets captured. I suppose that's two. Like Sonic (laughs) gets kidnapped. And that's... mm -hmm. But, well, regardless of whether that is the case, you can definitely see an effort by the story to paint the character in a more positive light instead instead of just like a perennial kidnap
0: victim. On page two, we have Sonic not being as much of a as everybody thinks. Watch. Because on page two, we've got what I think of as quite a nice friendship moment from Sonic. Yeah. There's a falling door. It's one of those, Mm. you know, the the metal door slams down. And Tails does a nice quick move to duck under it. Sort of, he flies up into the air to get through it. And Sonic compliments on his fast move, which is no small compliment coming from Sonic. Mm. Not from Sonic, yeah. Now, this is a moment where uh, there's a slight difference from the script that Nigel's provided us with. In the panel where Tails says, I couldn't let you face things alone, the panel description says that Sonic is helping Tails to his feet and grinning, because in the script, Tails did a sort of spin under the door, mm. presumably a spin attack style move, but Richard's drawing it as this deft flying maneuver. And Sonic's line, just try not to get taken prisoner or anything, actually happens in that panel mm. where he's pulling him up. But in the final version, that line gets shunted to the next panel. So. This panel becomes a quieter, slightly longer moment where Tails is saying something supportive. He's saying, I couldn't let you face things alone, Sonic. And Sonic's just taking it with a smile and a hand yeah. on Tails' arm. Now, that hand seems to be because he's helping him up onto some sort of ledge, but still, yeah. the gesture reads as friendly to me.
2: Uh, yeah, no, I mean. I-
0: to a certain extent,
2: there there is a, a misunderstanding hmm. from international readers of the banterous level that Sonic yeah. and Tails tend to have in their relationship, and the fact that Brits tend to talk to their friends yes. like that anyway. Sometimes yeah. they don't kind of get that. I mean, okay, n- no argument. Like sometimes it does go too far. And oh, yeah. Sonic does come off as a, <laughs> d- but uh, you know this one here, like just try not to get taken prisoner, okay? Nudge nudge, bump bump, hey, and that's, you know it's. It's just bants, yeah,
0: Yeah, that's what it is. And it's something we would have all been familiar with as the way friends talk to each other and the way people in comics talk to each other. I mean, yeah. you know, Dennis the Menace would never have talked sincerely to someone he liked. He would have talked like this. Yeah.
2: You know, I really like um, Richard Elson's art on this issue. and I mean, that, that sounds like a strange sentence, doesn't it? Because when do you ever not? But there's something about it on this issue. It feels like the line on this issue is finer to me. Yeah, I might be imagining it, but but there's a there's a, a, a fineness to the outlines around the characters that that mm. maybe it's because there's um, the panels are sort of cramped into the Mystic Cave Zone. There's a lot going on around it, so so we go with some... or, or maybe it's the coloring. Maybe it's not the line. There's uh, maybe it's the coloring is slightly uh, lighter or, or or paler, not in a bad sense, but um, there's some like like this this panel with all the flashers. Yeah. How that that feels just just huge. You really get the sense yeah. of the huge cave that they've walked into, but without ever having to make things too small or, or do or or you or just like the forced perspective of flashers up really close to the camera, so big when we know
0: how small flashers are. I love that, panel. Yeah, we've settled comfortably into this being the best drawn tie-in there is on the shelf, and not oh, just God, yeah, not just comics. You know, like almost anything. You know, even like toy boxes and things like this is some of the best art you're getting in 1994
2: yeah i mean richard elson's sonic the hedgehog pretty much defined the look of sonic for brit kids of of this time period you know and you know sadly it wouldn't always stay looking like this
0: but that's for us to worry about years from now yes (laughs) and so we reach Finally, the page that presumably Musker and Clements read that must have inspired them to make Treasure Planet, because this guy's in Treasure Planet. <laughs> and this is
2: another example of a huge,
0: big panel with so much going on. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So, readers, if you if you aren't able to see this, imagine, do imagine Long John Silver from Treasure Planet, but dialed up to full Elson Robotnik. We got hook hand. We got peg leg. We got pirate, but all robot. We got it. It's like yeah. a
2: little. A little, a little caster wheel um, a peg leg. His hook is multifunctional with various uh, uh, ports and holes down around the base of it so additional blades and tools can pop out of it. And the little parrot on his shoulder is just a tiny little robot parrot. And I don't think we would ever... that. I don't think that little robot parrot would ever do anything and I feel like that was a missed opportunity as an extra character boy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what he's supposed to be if he's supposed to be any kind of particular animal but he is a big brown, hairy, baton Tusked,
0: broad, huge figure. Uh, Chris, how do you square Captain Plunder against your theory that there aren't many humans in STC? Because well, he's not a people. (laughs) All I can see that makes him not at least a cartoon people is the, the teeth, which I would readily describe as tusks. Yeah, he's not a people. But he's there's no, nothing else animal about him. He's got a he's human just, nose, human have, ears. But he doesn't have a human shape. He's got human hands. Yes, he has.
2: His big pointed eyebrows sticking off his head.
0: Yeah, but only the way... Like, that's, like Robotnik's that's a human. That's not a people. <laughs> no, but, I don't know what he is, but he's not a people. And I, yeah. will,
2: not, I will not
0: follow this line of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> he occupies an interesting space, though, doesn't he, between... So I'd say the closest is something like a walrus, but also a human.
2: I always kind of go for walrus, but but it's tusks going up instead of uh, down, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that really is the only. That's the only animal thing on him. Uh, the rest is just exaggerated in in the way that Grimer is exaggerated. There's like. something. Well, Grimer's not a people. No, but he's also not. There's no animal you can pin to him either. Yeah, but he's but he's not a person that's
2: the important thing. I, I always thought there was something a little bulldogish about Captain mm. Plunder as well. I'm mean, not that mm. Yes, like yes, a, yes. I he bet doesn't that's have it. a he doesn't have a dog nose or anything like that which he would
0: if he was a, an actual yeah, bulldog. True.
2: But there is something bulldogish about him. It's, it's yes, big, he's got the jaw jowl shape jowls, Yeah. yeah.
0: And very, very hairy hands, which I suppose, mm. like you know, that can be human, but it implies yes, something a bit dog-like or something. Yeah, it's it's very ambiguous. It's just a cartoon pirate, but yes. Weird looking. That's what it is. He's a weird Mobian,
2: and his uh, his crew are all rats except for his first mate Filch, <laughs> who who is a lizard. Yeah, uh, we'll get to Filch in a minute. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain Plunder. Oh, he's oh. he's instantly so characterful. The design. Yeah. We've talked in you know episodes before about the voices that we had for these characters in our minds, and Captain Plunder was just instantaneous in my mind, and has always been. Like we've done pirates on this program before, but he's not that kind of pirate. It's you know he's he's a bigger, broader pirate, and I know yes. he always just threw a bit of West Country into it, and that that was Captain yeah. Plunder. I'm Captain Plunder, and these are my Mystic Cave Pirates. That was Captain That's Plunder it. to me. And he uses words like poltroon. Yes, I had to look that one up. I don't know poltroon. It's a very good piratey word. I'm not working for Robotnik, you poltroon. I stole those badniks. That's what pirates do.
0: (laughs) But have you noticed what is actually the lead-in, the very first thing that we see on the Captain Plunder reveal page? It's that picture of Sonic clutching his head with his eyes scrunched shut that we both boobody
2: remember boobody <laughs> <laughs> Sonic's eyelids watch there they are pink eyelids but it's eyelids. the one right that's got yes. to be
0: the panel we both could vaguely remember of him clutching his head yeah
2: yeah it's that or one that looked very much like it yes yeah I think one of the great transformative steps that came in with issues <laughs> 21 and 22 was also the crystallization of of pink <laughs> eyelids which as we have had pointed out to us i don't remember if we mentioned it on the show or not is how he looks on the title screen of sonic one that's why why we we think think he has pink eyelids because they're supposed
0: to be i have written extensively for an as yet unpublished thing that i'm working on Uh, like a step-by-step frame-by-frame breakdown of that title screen how did i not remember that i know right (laughs) but uh, modern sonic is consistently done with
2: blue eyelids and classic Sonic yes. in things like generations and forces that's that's yes. a that's a
0: key difference one of the many key differences <laughs> so interesting that that Sega are f- so aware of that that they keep referring right? to it and putting it in yeah. these things it's yeah it, like I get that it's one of the things on the design of the character, but it's just you so rarely see him with his eyes closed that it's odd that they have this strict design document. He's actually,
2: him. he's got them lowered here in this pre, on the previous page oh, yeah, they're, they're trying yeah. to pick, pick which direction to go there, there.
0: So I think we can
2: safely at this point, at issue 23, we can yep. retire Sonic's eyelids watch as a recurring segment <laughs> yes. on Sonic the Comic the Podcast. Unless they do one where they're blue, and we'll definitely yes. flag it up again. As for now, it is resolved. Pink. As we knew from issue one, <laughs> and as is not. Proven. <laughs> so we have this bit where Captain Plunder uh, tries to make Tails walk the plank off one of those little log bridges from the Mystic Cave Zone. Yes. He pops blades out of his hook and he tries to make Tails walk the plank so that he can hand over the Chaos Emeralds, which I think is what's well, probably not stc's first confirmation of it because sonic mentioned collecting the gems when they went to the special zone back in issue 8 but i guess it's our first clear statement of the fact that the chaos emeralds following the events of sonic 2 are in sonic's possession somewhere yes
0: i think at this time i sort of took that a bit literally and thought that they were in sonic like he just has them and went like like in the game with rings when you get a thing it goes in you um so he would be able to produce... I feel like we do see them produced magically at some point, but I can't remember when, when that is, or if I'm just not making not sure. It up. I mean, I remember where Sonic is keeping them right now, so I know it's oh, not that. Right. I look forward to finding that out, because I don't. But yes, yeah, he has the Chaos Emeralds, and they've really, rarely been mentioned. Like, I'm hmm. surprised to hear that you remember them being mentioned at all. I thought this was the first mention of them, re- apart from in Issue 8, where it's... Yeah, you that. Know, pop, they
2: pop into stuff. the special zone, and Sonic says, there used to be Chaos Emeralds at the end of these things
0: until I collected them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, and they had to be mentioned in that story because that's hmm. the thrust of the origin story. Yeah. But yeah, interesting to see that that Nigel's got an idea in his head already of where yeah. those are. He really thought about this. It's uh, it's constantly surprising to me that Nigel put in the effort he did to take this as... Well, not seriously as he did, but to take it as a serious job he was supposed to honour. Well, I think we noted it before, but we're in the middle of a sort of slightly weirdly shaped Sonic CD eight-issue
2: mm. run. Like, we had our two-issue prologue that introduced Amy and teased Metal Sonic at the very end of it. Yeah. Then we have this introduction of Captain Plunder. Then next issue... Not to jump ahead, but next issue, we're going to begin a five-part story called The Sonic Terminator. But the first two parts of Sonic Terminator are a direct continuation of this story, which... (laughs) follows on this question of, ca- of where the camera's emeralds are and Captain Plunder wanting to get them. Then yeah. the last three parts of Sonic Terminator are the actual straight adaptation of the Sonic CD game. It's a strangely shaped run of issues. Um, an immensely memorable one and a great yeah. one, but, but it is a little oddly spliced up in that regard. It, it, it's, it's it's more like Girl Trouble parts 1 and 2, Pirates of the Mystic Cave parts 1, 2 and 3, and the Sonic Terminator parts 1 and 3, but uh, 1, 2, 3. But they broke it up differently than that but sonic isn't handing the gems over anyway so tails it gets kicked off the plank by plunder and it's like ah help and then it's like tails you can fly you idiot oh yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great I love it. it is and i suppose that certain individuals might take that as another instance of sonic being too mean but i don't think you can have a character like tails without ever once doing the gag of oh wait i can, I fly. can fly yeah yeah like
2: let's like tails is a A lovely little guy, but he's a tiny bit dim. (laughs) And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just the it's the vibe I've always
0: got off tails. He's a younger guy.
2: He doesn't think as fast as Sonic. He he's prone to panicked reactions.
0: (laughs) Yeah, panicked reactions and and over enthusiasm. He's a bit of a penfold. He's there because he's so enthusiastic. Crumbs! (laughs) And then that's a
2: distraction where none of the pirates are expecting Tails to come flying up, so Sonic exploits their their confusion to try spin attacking Filch, the first mate. And he just passes through him because Filch is a ghost. (laughs) Of course, he doesn't believe Filch is a ghost at all. And I love this panel. Uh, The the Nigel script that he sent us, again, it specifically describes him. Like, the two, Plunder and Filch, come in all matey-matey-like, cuddling (laughs) next to one another. And he goes, oh, Filch is a ghost, all right. Killed him myself, so I did. Ah, it my own fault for taking the extra biscuit, Captain. <laughs> and, so he, nice. and we can see that there's literally a bullet hole running straight through yeah. Ghost Filch's head. like A he massive was.
0: bullet hole right through to the other, other side. <laughs> yep. You see clean through his head. Oh, you can see through all of his head, but you can particularly see through that bit. And he's
2: all surrounded by <laughs> flies and everything that one panel defined those characters relationships
0: forever i think it's so good because they're brilliant. such mates they're inside, and it's yeah. one of those things where looking at the script looking at the final page it's a pleasant surprise it was allowed in at all because yeah, this right. is like oh yeah i i shot him clear through the head myself i did and yet feels so friendly and nice it's so british <laughs> was my own
2: fault for taking the extra biscuit. <laughs> that was the slight that he killed him for, taking an extra biscuit. Brilliant. Then we get Amy saving the day. Um, She, she suggests mm-hmm. that uh, they have ways of finding out about Robotnik's operations, and they can tell the pirates what, air freighters are worth robbing and then maybe the pirates will be able to lend them some muscle sometime. Did you spot the, um... Yeah. Yeah. Kinto
0: Bar? (laughs) Sonic's Kinto Bar computer? It seems like
2: such an unnecessary footnote, but it's like, Amy says, we have ways of finding out about Robotnik's operations asterisk footnote Sonic's Kinto bar computer constantly monitors Robotnik's transmissions it's like I don't feel like you need to tell me that in mid-sentence like that (laughs) oh I don't mind that these few lines are actually not in the script are they where um Amy says, in turn you might be able to help us sometimes, and then and then we have Captain Plunder mm. and Sonic reacting. Yeah. Because in the script it just jumps from that to the next panel. A, a deal has been made and the pirates are letting them go. And it does feel like there's a bit of connective tissue missing there. So so we have these few lines from Sonic and Plunder reacting to Amy's plan before actually agreeing to it. I'll be a smart girl you got
0: air, poltroon She's not my girl. I love that Amy I I See, I think this is the twist. I think this is how the Amy just gets kidnapped thing is quite deftly handled. Because, Mm. yeah, we start with her just being kidnapped. But as soon as she gets the opportunity, she is fully on board to set up these air freighter heists with pirates. That is wicked. That is freedom fighter stuff. Yeah. She is a natural at this. It just does make me wonder why it had to be Amy,
2: you know? Uh, When I think of Sonic the Comic characters who are ripe for being captured... I think of Porker. Yeah. Porker's yeah. the soft one. Porker is the one that would be much more likely to get captured. Of course, this is before Amy has any kind of weapons to defend herself.
0: That's true. And I wonder if at this point they were, in in the same way that they're hedging against the, uh, you know, eventually abandoned Sonic cartoon becoming the real Sonic by putting mm. in Freedom Fight and so on. I wonder if they're hedging against Amy Rose being given an important save the princess role in all future stories going forward <laughs> by giving her a way of getting captured that's still kind of cool. Well,
2: we do know that Deborah Tate did push for Amy to be like presented as a good role model and a, and a competent uh, female character. Being the only female character in the mm. comic, you know, to, it was the right call. But um, she has a little way to go before she is, you know, fully on uh, on on on. Even footing with everyone else she gets her own little signature weapon or sort of role in the group and everything. But but even yeah, from this early case, I mean, who knows if this was Kitching or if this was Tate. But um, they're they're pushing against the one thing she's known for already at this point, and it's good. And then as the, the pirates wave them off and we're on our cliffhanger, where we those poltroons haven't seen the last of Captain plunder.
0: Yeah, next issue, in fact. So don't don't worry, he's <laughs> gonna yeah. be right back. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, this is a good one, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's a good one. Oh, it's lovely. This fi- feels like home. The art is where it should be. Yeah. It's it's. This is STC. We're in it now. Right after that two-issue phase shift, that sea
2: change <laughs> where everything was pushed into its final form, we have one of the most notable original characters coming in. Amy's making her transition... Mm. And, and well we know
0: what's about to come around the corner as well it's impossible yes. not
2: to be excited at this point in the story isn't it
0: i know we're on tenterhooks here because we know that there is this metal sonic coming because we've seen it we've seen it advertised in the pages we've seen it teased in the comic and we're getting something else right now so we're like oh oh come on amy's here we saw it in the pipe come on and then when it hits it <laughs> hits <laughs>
2: Review zone. Your review zone. Oh God! Right, I I hate this. I hate oh. the way this looks. Okay, what uh, what's the matter? They've changed the colors of the review zone, <laughs> and <laughs> I I noticed it the first time it was published, and uh-huh. they would do it again. But if it wasn't for the fact that the screenshots of the games are all clearly printed correctly I would have sworn that there was one of the three colour plates left out or swapped or something you know with the (laughs) cyan magenta and yellow I would have sworn because it looks so gross and inverted it's it's (laughs) pale pine green and magenta backgrounds
0: what chris is talking about is that all of this is printed against three vertical stripes of color of those colors he just said with a kind of swirly uh, effect in the background now i confess never before this have i made any mental note of what colors they were so i thought it was just random or different every time or whatever they're
2: orange and blue usually
0: yeah yeah now you say it you're right but i never realized it was consistent you know sure because it's like the control zone isn't consistent yeah exactly but
2: but uh, the review zone you only notice it when it changes and uh, i it, it looks like there was a printing error and you would think there was if it wasn't for the fact the screen caps are fine and i can't believe that, i know they kept using it because i hated it for as long as they ever <laughs> used it but they would you know they would start mixing the colors up as 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 we went on, but ooh, ooh, and that's my contribution to the review zone.
0: (laughs) We've got CJ Elephant Fugitive on the Game Gear, I've already mentioned this, this is CJ's Elephant Antics, uh, which was already out from Codemasters on the computers, uh, here, presented on the Game Gear, with uh, what does look like a significant graphical upgrade, whereas, you know, on the computers it was just a little elephant. We got uh, Aladdin on the Master System. Now, that one's actually quite interesting. I looked it up. It is a significantly different game than the version on the Mega Drive. It's actually kind of like a mashup of the Mega Drive approach and the SNES approach. Oh, right. Because the actual levels are fairly, you know, they're almost like um, those constant, what are they called? Constant runner, infinite runner games where you're just hitting jump. The, the timed running you're not allowed to stop or it all goes wrong type of game um so you can see in this screenshot he's running away from mm. the uh, the guard chap there's a lot of levels like that there's a couple of them on the mega drive but particularly the uh, the carpet chase level but there's a, a few of them here but between levels it does quite extensive cutscenes, which reenact more or less the whole film script and all with you know with the sprites doing you know animations just made for those cutscenes oh, yeah. quite quite lovely i think i would have really enjoyed having aladdin in fact no i w- i would have loved having aladdin in a system. Ha- no i would have loved having this game on the game gear and i'm Ah. surprised to see that it's not coming out for both because master system and game gear yes you often do find
2: that whenever at this point in time Mm. whenever you see a master system release it's also just
0: on the game gear as well because it's mm. more or less the same hardware now you could get i don't know if you could at this stage but certainly by the time i bought my friend's game gear it had a Master System converter, so you could just as easily play Master System games on a Game Gear, so... Didn't know they did one of those. I will go as far as to say that the best version of the 8-bit Sonic is the Master System version played on a Game Gear, because you're playing the same game, but you're zoomed out way more, so you can see more of the level, and Sonic is little and cute. Oh, okay. And Subterranea on the Mega Drive... A game which t- t- in the description here and in the screenshots sounds like the sort of game i wouldn't be particularly interested yeah. in um it looks like it's one of those you know shmups one of those vertical scrolling bullet hell style uh, things mm. but it's not instead what it is is that you are this ship that's just suspended in the air and you can move in all directions and you can shoot things and there are things to shoot in that way but the screen isn't automatically scrolling nor does it you know nor is it a tunnel that you need to scroll up it's actually an explorable set of caverns metroid style and you are not metroidvania style it's not one Hmm. of those sorts of games but just the layout is there's caverns there's tunnels and you can go anywhere you want and you're doing things like finding some little tiny fellas walking around and landing near them so they can all get on board and then you're going over to the fuel canister thing and you're picking that up and you're going around you know you know, keys to unlock doors type stuff. It's more of an exploratory game than it looks, and it looks quite interesting. Vincent Lowe reviews this one, and uh,
2: again, he does that thing that he's done in a few previous reviews, where he makes a comparison, which is, mm. you know, just is good because it means you know that they know what they're talking about to some extent. But <laughs> I feel like the comparison may be a little lost on Sonic the Comic readers because he lost uh, on me. He, he compares Subterranean to a game from the mid '80s called Thrust, which I've never heard of.
0: No, uh, I've looked it up. It's a very old... It's like a BBC Micro game. Oh, okay. Yes, it does appear to be basically the same sort of gameplay, but done with... I mean, the graphics are not even... We're not talking 8-bit here. We're talking, you know, black background basic shapes zipping about on them explosions made out of little dots that come out of it very 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 old-fashioned looking so it was you know long due an update then and yeah no i'd never heard of it I, no one reading this comic would have been old enough to know about it i don't think, I think so. but hey good of him to treat us sensibly and talk to us like grown-ups yeah i i just like the contextualization yeah that's so that's i, I like what he did and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and what? <laughs> Eternal Champions! Eternal Champions, Part 5. Written by Michael Cook. Art by John Howard. Letters by Tom Frame. John Howard? Yes? His first time on STC's Eternal Champions? Yes,
2: he, uh, he is coming on now for these last two parts, as I recall. They're both him.
0: Oh, it's- it's an echo situation strange to change the artist partway through like this. Mm. With Rex's team of champions prevented from reaching the ammo store by a team of cyberfighters, Trident finds an alternative source of weaponry by ripping one right off of one of the cyberfighters' bodies. Suitably armed, the team returns to 1994 and reunites with Shadow, Blade and Slash. But they're too late! Nakano has already used BioKey technology to complete a prototype war machine, which he now unleashes upon the champions. Mmm, ah, he's already done it 35 minutes ago! <laughs> yeah, literally.
2: What about <laughs> this first page, though? It feels like it's just been shifted uh, down the page for some reason. There's there's a whole a huge <laughs> yeah. white, white gutter up at the top. Uh, the the art doesn't go all the way up to the top of the page. And a very cramped final panel. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. Not,
2: not such that, that anything is unclear or that anything nope. that should have had a good,
0: clear image of it has been
2: cut off the page or anything, but
0: yeah, something's wrong there. <laughs> no yeah that, that yeah and it's not one of john howard's best actually even within eternal champions but anyway uh, i'm not gonna have a go because he's done a lot of pages for this issue not mm-hmm. presumably at the same time but there's a lot of them <laughs> yes
2: that's right uh, 10 of this issue's 24 story pages are the work of john howard so.
0: God, you're right god 10 pa- that's a lot of pages to that's do. a lot of pages in a, in a magazine like this yeah yeah so chris the opening caption is very good <laughs>
2: 2345. Six Eternal Champions seek high tech weapons to free comrades trapped in 1994. But first, they must defeat a biomechanical tag team
0: in the Cyberdome. Every word is a rung up the awesomeness ladder. I love it. (laughs) You know, you, you, you start with Eternal... You start with 2345. You get to Eternal Champions. You get to high-tech weapons. You get trapped in 1994. And right? You can stop Fire there. Biomechanical <laughs> Tag Team. The <laughs> yeah. Cyberdome. Oh. oh, Michael Cook. You're really spoiling me here. Giving me these lovely... Uh, what are the chocolates called with which the ambassador is spoiling oh, us? Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> these Ferrero Rocher
2: words. They're so lovely. Uh, this is a, a great moment for Trident again actually pause what did i why why did you keep buzzing me on the eternal (laughs) champion special because you called him Triton three times. Did I? I <laughs> yeah. Jesus, wept. I literally listened to the whole thing. And I was like, why is he buzzing me? Can, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You?
0: I don't mean to bully I, you. Or not. You must have felt like the guy at the start of Ghostbusters. I do apologize.
2: I didn't know you were going to be giving me electric shocks. <laughs> I didn't know. I was literally listening to it. And I wasn't hearing that I was saying it wrong. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, this is a great bit for Trident in this one. Like they, they These guys have barred it. The, they've got... Gun? no well, have they got? See, I'm I'm a little confused actually. Yep. Did they get the guns and now don't have the ammo? Uh. Because Midnight and Trident are holding guns. Yeah, they've got guns. But and they specifically say there's no way we can reach the ammo store now. But so what? Did they get to the guns?
0: yeah i guess they got to the gun store and and we just assumed that that was also where ammo was but it wasn't well that's probably a sensible way to run things to be honest it's pretty safe yeah (laughs) you keep your guns and ammo separate
2: (laughs) i mean yes sensible gun control in 2345 (laughs) in the (laughs) cyberdome Yeah, but Rax says that they can't reach the ammo store, but then he observes that... uh, He says these guns are primed and loaded, and and they're all we need to free Shadow, and he he does appear to be holding a weapon of some kind, but um, he's talking about the guns that are attached to the cyborg fighters who were about to go in and use these guns in the uh, in the arena but i'm not sure what it is that he's actually holding there because yeah. as midnight says in the very next panel a useless action the weapons are bio-wielded to their bodies it would take microsurgery to remove them and confusing as it is it doesn't matter because then there's this <laughs> Great bit with trident right (laughs) afterwards, where he just stabs his trident into one of the fighters and goes. It need not take so long. One simply isolates the weapon and just tears it off this poor bugger who screams in agony as his (laughs) literal robot arm gun is torn out of its socket.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah, the image is very much of a man tearing an arm off another man. Yeah, I think the problem in that previous panel is that maybe the artist has just got it wrong and thought that he was referring to... Because, yeah, he's, he's saying these guns, and he's holding what looks like it is his gun that he's got. He's saying that they're primed and loaded. And it seems to be smoking as well. And it's smoking. I wonder as if it. he's fired it. I th- so I think what's probably happened here is just that the artist was wrong. But what it could be is that... Cause he is one of these cyber fighters. So if he's saying, like, well these guns work, the ones like I've got okay. and Yeah and so yeah, I guess so he... Trident is going, Oh, let's get those then and rips them off the other guys.
2: Does he have
0: guns? Doesn't he have a gun stuck to him? He must have. I mean he's got he's just got arms though, doesn't he normally?
2: I will tell you what, it probably is supposed to be. Actually, okay. he's dropped that fella that he's blasted,
0: and he's holding up his arm. He's holding up yes. his fallen opponent's unconscious but still attached arm, and going, hey,
2: hey, "Hey, these here. What about these?"
0: Yeah, and the thing he's holding does match, even though it's it's t- tricky to tell because when you last see the guy, he's very far away, so he's drawn yeah. with very simple that's lines. That's what it shapes. is. That's what it is. But it does match. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, he's
2: just holding up the still very much attached arm of an unconscious opponent that's what it is As a sh- n- not a problem we typically have with john howard art but no. there's a lot going on in here
0: yeah but the trouble is it's a close-up of the guy doing an arnold schwarzenegger style look at my gun pose you know yeah <laughs> oh bumped my mic <laughs> <laughs> I flip my hands up to do a. You're <laughs> <laughs> your
2: fists. Great moment for Trident, one way or the other. Yep. Though weirdly, they then sort of decide that one gun is enough. Apparently, nobody else rips <laughs> yeah. any other guns off. Well, Rax has one in his hand, so maybe he did the same thing to the to the uh, to that fella. So, yeah. Uh, and then they warp out and head back to 94. Oh, we do get an answer to that rather thing we, we puzzled about last issue where it was like, uh, how are they going to get the info by blasting the databanks? <laughs> <Do you remember? laughs> well, it turns out that they were literally just uh, destroying the databanks to, to erase so, the yes. data so Nakano wouldn't have access to it.
0: Uh, that does make sense actually yeah. now that I think about it,
2: yeah. Oh, and I hear, I see here as everybody is warping in, they they seem to all have guns in their hands now as well.
0: Oh, so they do. So I guess we're just to to assume that it happens between panels
2: i I think there's been a goof here somewhere
0: i think there's midnight
2: and trident are drawn holding guns before trident rips that off and we thought maybe those were guns they got first but then couldn't get ammo for but i you know i think i think it's just a goof midnight and trident have been drawn holding
0: guns before they have the idea to rip the guns off and also i'm confused because the second time we see Rax on page four he's got that gun we were wondering about and the first time we see him does he have it oh he does it's in the other hand there so it's just a gun he's holding not yeah. an arm gun well i mean it's torn it would just be torn off at the elbow anyway but it's got it's gun shaped it's not like torn off shaped well yeah but i mean it's just a gun that these poor buggers have welded onto their elbows they've got <laughs> handles and everything very
2: helpfully <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough i suppose <laughs> gosh I, right, well. I, I, i'm a little you know i'm a little disappointed the more we we cut into this and see the artistic feelings of it because we i i think it's fair to say we hold john howard to a higher standard than this and uh, he's 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 goofed <laughs>
0: well i hold him in very high regard whatever happened here mm. um if yeah i guess it's just one of those things he probably started drawing them with guns he probably do, it's the sort of thing where as you're drawing them you put guns in their hands they're that sort of character yeah <laughs> Well, anyway, it turns out
2: it was a massive waste of time because they they get back to the present and, as we know from previous issues, uh, Shadow, Blade and Slash have all rescued themselves already. (laughs) They didn't need the guns to free them after all. And then they they, they catch up with them just as they've exited the Nakanos facility and then they're like, did you get it all? Um, probably. Well, we better go back in and make sure. No, they, they destroyed the databanks, but then Blade r- raises the possibility there may be some weapons prototypes already in existence in there, and Rax is like, well, then we better get back in there and blow them all to hell. And then Nakano shows up in his Agomatic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is our proper explanation of what bio-key technology is. Yeah, uh, finally, yeah. it's about time. Places hard mechanics under direct organic control. Neural sensors and navigation controllers link up directly with the pilot, in this case, Nakano's brain and... Uh, he controls the machines, you know, with his mind directly using this technology. The future is here. I assume it is Nakano. I assume, I assume knock it is Nakano. It, it doesn't it actually is. tell us. Um, that's fair enough it doesn't, but I know that it is, so uh, it is. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, this is clearly the boss showing up. So yes, this is be. the final boss. Shall we end on the cliffhanger just if so we get a page-long explanation of what bio-key technology is and how it works as he
0: blows... <laughs> The champions to bits. And uh, Chris, the closing caption of this comic is very good. <laughs> yeah. Next, <laughs> brakaboom. <laughs> That's marvelous, isn't it?
2: A, a slightly, slightly decap attack-ish.
0: A little <laughs> bit. Listen, Michael Cook is good at captions.
2: Yeah, I have to say though, uh, um, the more we unpacked what was happening there, you know, it sort of washed over me as I read
0: it. But the more, uh, the more we unpacked the confusion of the art in that one, the uh, mm. It's the sort of comic that it is. It's something where it is supposed to wash over you. Not, mm. I'm not suggesting all of these things we've pointed out were necessarily deliberate. No. But it's the sort of comic it is. It almost... Just imagine a load of bodies flying around punching. That's what this comic is trying to establish in our heads and uh, that it does and uh, you know in the
2: end up the main beat of the whole thing which is that they rip the weapons off the cyber fighters is never anything less than horrifyingly (laughs) clear that that's what's going on (laughs) yeah that is a good bit (laughs) but yeah there's just some other inconsistencies in our goofs that we wouldn't normally expect from john hart so uh, a little bit of an inauspicious start on the champion strip for him in that regard unfortunately Mm. Not enough to really drag down the whole strip, but then we do get the the weird bit, which is like turned out it was all for nothing.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, we must be—is it the last episode? Next issue? Yes, last episode, next chapter. Wow. Same for Shinobi. Oh, oh, well, we're building up to a big John Howard special then.
2: Yep, uh, that's right. Yeah, we'll have we'll have two John Howard strips next issue as well. Uh, hopefully, we will be able to better understand everything that happens in them. <laughs> <laughs> New zone.
1: New zone.
2: Ah. God oh, almighty, I've looked over to the right and there's a football screenshot. Will we never be afraid uh, of it?
0: <laughs> it's alright. It's its almost no football news at all. Thanks be to God. We start with a cart built for four. J-Cart brings friends together. Playing Sega games on your own can be entertaining, but for a laugh and a half of full cream fun, there's nothing like taking on a friend, or three. Unfortunately, there are very few multiplayer Sega games around. The few that are available- That's a strange sentence, don't you think? Isn't it? Yeah.
2: Very few Sega multiplayer games around. It's, it seems so dismissive, but there are loads of multiplayer yeah, games. Surely there were plenty,
0: or at least yeah. a normal amount. Or yeah, a norm, yeah. I don't know what he means by this. Yeah, funny. Uh, the few that are available can only be enjoyed by more than two players if you buy a special piece of hardware, and this is a fair point, Yes. such as Sega Multitap or Electronic Arts 4-Way Play, at a cost of 25 and £20 pounds respectively. So far, only Tengen's Gauntlet 4 works with both adapters. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. There was... I mean, is it saying that Gauntlet 4 is the only game that currently enables four players? No, no. I think what it means is that there's some kind of proprietary incompatibility problem with certain games and certain... I don't know what it means that seems very silly to (laughs) to me you know yeah yeah but wait yes codemasters have the answer (laughs) yeah because they've announced j cart for the mega drive every j cart comes with its own built-in four-way play facility and there is a pic there are two pictures Mm. one is of the cartridge now chris do you remember when i was trying to describe to you the shape of my dizzy cartridge yes there it is that is the codemasters cartridge shape Um, They they made them with a strange, tapered-off, smaller top than bottom. But here, it, it doesn't even look like it's any taller than my Dizzy one was, but it could be because they have room for two joypad ports on the cartridge that sticks out of the top of the Mega Drive. So you can plug in two controllers there, and there's a photo of multiple pairs of hands playing on four controllers around what to me looks like a very little Mega Drive. Almost like a Mega Drive Mini. (laughs) A little bit, right? I I don't know if it's a perspective thing or not. The hands are right up against the Mega Drive and it looks widdly weeny. The whole article on this is
2: framed in a very strange way, don't you think? Uh Because it it talks like they've announced J-Cart. Every cart comes with its own built-in four-way play facility, so as long as you have friends (laughs) and control pads you can enjoy the thrills and spills of multiplayer action, all for the price of the stand cartridge but the the j cart adapter can't be used with any other cartridge it's not like it's not a piece of technology that enables four-way play
0: it's just games
2: with extra joypad holes in them
0: yeah yeah it is a good idea but it's a strange roundabout way of coming to it because yeah, it just means that like, if you bought a ga- it, 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 basically what if, if Sega had come up with this idea, it would be brilliant because then it would mean that any game that had that you know was a particular like let's say is a a racing game or something something where it's useful to have four players all at once, that cartridge could come out with these two ports in it and you plug it in. But that's not what they're uh, saying at all. It just means that Codemasters can bring out games that do that. Yes, so, so micro machines is what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean,
2: and the thing is, I mean, I'm sure you thought the same thing I did when I read this, honestly, based on our last news zone or two, which was Mm. this never came out. Yeah. But it turned out it did happen. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um very few however uh-huh. um i'll quote from wikipedia on this one a very depressing sentence the Jcart cart came relatively late in the life cycle of the mega drive um and no it, i don't no. care to think of 1994 as late in the life cycle of the mega drive please and thank you no no, no. <laughs> no. I, I, no. I reject time. that i reject this notion time is as i make it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Codemasters never licensed the technology to other publishers, so uh, the only games that are listed here on Wikipedia as having come with these built-in ports, this J-Cart technology, is Pete Sampras Tennis, Pete Sampras Tennis 96. So they kept up at this for a while. Micro Good. Machines 2, Micro Machines 96, Micro oh. Machines Military, and, oh dear, Super Skidmarks. <laughs>
0: That's, that is an Amiga game. <laughs> so that was the joke but uh yeah and it's a racing game that i don't know how that went down with the mega drive playing populace but um surely they must have invented this with the intention of licensing it to other people it must just have been that nobody was interested i mean
2: to be honest four-way play wasn't an easy done thing back in yeah. the old cathode ray tube days you yeah, know yeah, we yeah. didn't have separate screens you had to mush all that onto one screen and it didn't i mean even two-way play on sonic 2 with the versus thing with, yeah, yeah. With the squished stretched out screens like it wasn't
0: particularly attractive no so there aren't many games that have ever come out where split screen play really really works there are some wiz and liz is one. <laughs> Blasting the past, Classic Blaster heads for 8-bit consoles because Codemasters have the last set of release date for the Master System and Game Gear conversions of Drop Zone, a thing I don't know about.
2: No, it's a shoot up from uh, the classic Williams arcade machine, Stargate. They, they span three paragraphs telling us that an old arcade game is coming to 8-bit consoles.
0: Here's what we both missed when we read this out. It's by Archer McLean. The Archer McLean. You know You know the good, you know McC- come on he's a household name. Meanwhile over on the right, like mm-hmm.
2: we're to- blasting from the past right to Virtua Fighter
0: coming yes. to the arcades. Polygons Polygons And this is What we have here is someone reporting on polygons to people who might not yet know what they are. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Have you seen Sega's Virtua Fighter in the arcades yet? Whoa! It's some mean machine. Perhaps the best one-on-one combat simulator yet. What makes Virtua Fighter stand out from the Street Fighter 2 crowd is its television-like presentation. Well that does that mean the graphics
2: or does that mean
0: the setup of the cabinet itself? I think what it means is the fact that you've got a camera that can move in 3D space. And oh, this is just someone who doesn't have the is. language to yeah. even address that yet.
2: I, I love this this uh this next the eight characters are built from polygons, which mm-hmm. makes them look as though they're carved from wood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only way to describe it. These are the uh, yeah. these are the old classic ones where they, you know, there's about five polygons between them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it makes them look as so though they're carved from wood, but their movements are amazing. It's a new level of realism. And then, lot So here we have someone trying to describe three D games. A quotes camera. Follows the action. Yeah, in quote marks. (laughs) And somehow it manages to zoom in and out and pan around to present a film-like view without ever getting in the way. Amazing. They didn't know what that was. I also love
2: how in their little descriptions of the characters right underneath it, they have nothing. They have nothing. So they're all... (laughs) Akira is best described as a Ryu-like character. Because he wears a white gi and a headband. Like, that's all they've got. Yeah, Pi is a sort of Chun Li ish type. type. <laughs> a Chinese woman, in other words.
0: Like, God. No, but looking at her, she is a bit. Well, it's okay. She's
2: also wearing blue with what looks yeah. to be yellow accents. But even then.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I think there probably was a certain amount of of trying to resemble the things that were popular. But like yeah it's not what, in fact I might be conflating what I know of Virtua Fighter with what I know of Street Fighter because you know me I'm not much into either they do note that a conversion is coming for
2: and this is this is the most this is the weirdest part of the whole news zone yep. a conversion of Virtua Fighter is coming for Sega's super duper Saturn machine never mentioned <laughs> in the whole of the preceding 22 issues that the Saturn is a thing oh
0: I'm glad so this is the first mention I thought it was This is the first mention of the Saturn <laughs> It's just come out of nowhere. They, you know, they haven't even told us about a 32X yet. Casually, and here we are yeah. with the
2: Saturn. Just just thrown out there as if it's something we all know about already. Yeah. I did then so re- strange. Does note that a Mega Drive version will only be released if Virtua Racing is successful. Because remember we did hear about the new chip yes. that they were going to put in the Virtua Racer uh, carts. I presume it wasn't because the inevitable Mega Drive conversion of this, which is on the Mega Drive Mini, is just uh, not polygons. <laughs>
0: Oh really? Yeah. I didn't even know it came out at all. Neither did I till it got the Mega Drive Mini. <laughs> That's quite interesting. So does it look kind of Street Fightery? Is it pixel art or what? I mean, yeah, but ugly. It's not good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and the sprites for the Mega Drive version aren't just sprite renders of the of the polygons. They are drawn specially, but they're not especially good. No, they
2: are not. I mean, I don't know how late in the Mega Drive's lifespan that one must have happened. It must have been one of yeah. the very last games they brought out, surely.
0: Yeah, they're not especially terrible, but like they don't live up to the standards of the of Eternal Champions, for instance, or Street Fighter. But or but I mean, what Fighter, does? But uh, well, quite. But yeah. okay, but even Eternal
2: Champions, yeah.
0: I love how the Virtua Fighter bit here. Ends. Look at this. In the meantime, look out for the Virtua Fighter arcade machine. It's as impressive to watch as it is to play, and it could redefine the way some people think about arcade action. And well, everything was polygons very soon after. But it right, no, okay. Now, he, but here's the thing. Back at the time, what did you think about
2: this? Because Virtua be honest, Fighter. Like, no, not Virtua Fighter specifically. Polygons. Because when you look back at it what we're really looking at is the the the, the strangled birth crooks yeah. of a whole new form of gaming yeah. you know what it's mostly
0: rubbish i thought it looked horrible and yes the, okay the good all
2: right CMP page I,
0: I saw Virtua fighter um and and i'm not a person who was you know near any arcades i can't tell you when i saw it running and i thought it looked Awful. And and I continued thinking that 3D games looked terrible right up until the Dreamcast. <laughs> sure.
2: No, I'm but that, I think and I'm just spitballing here, and I'm sure yeah. people professionals would disagree with this idea. Sure. But I think you just look at just recently the success of things like the Mega Drive Mini and the Snares Mini specifically, mm-hmm. uh over the PlayStation classic mini, whatever they called that thing. Because mm. The the Mega Drive and the SNES, those represent the 16-bit era of gaming at its apex. Yes. Those represent an art form at the greatest it ever was. Yeah. And the PlayStation represents a new art form, the the world of 3D gaming... Mm -hmm. At its worst. Yeah. And is it any great surprise then that, that the PlayStation... Never mind not having Crash Bandicoot and Tomb Raider on it. <laughs> is it any surprise that that mini console was a miserable failure? Was it?
0: Was it that bad of a failure? I didn't keep up with it. Oh, it did not do well at all. It didn't sell at all. They, they, yeah. Well, the reason I didn't know is because I cared so little about the PlayStation. And I've in, in mm. recent years, I've been convinced that I, that I was wrong to be so against the PlayStation when it came out. But it's because... I saw it as where this sort of look was to be found. The the worst yep. of the new thing, as opposed to the best of the old thing, which is what I was currently still enjoying with my, you know, being late to the party of the Meg Drive and the SNES.
2: And that's not to be, you know, that's not to slam every game ever released for the PlayStation. I mean, there are many great games released for the PlayStation. Loads. But they were great at making the best of what they had. Yeah. Like, like with great 8-bit games and earlier things than that yeah 2d gaming reached its apex in the 16-bit era yeah, um, and everything that it came before it was the build up to that. The, when when sixteen bit gaming dropped off, there was nowhere left for it to go. Yeah, it reached its ultimate success. I guess
0: that's why it had to go.
2: Yeah, basically, and and that's what stuff like Virtua Fighter and the first the PlayStation One was, you know. Uh, and uh, but he, but he, I was not somebody who was
0: awed by no. oh three dimensions because it looked like yeah uh, I I sort of was and I wasn't in that I liked the concept the of idea it. of it um, but yeah but then when you yeah saw it, uh, yeah where it would eventually go i was i was keen to see but the actual first few games don't get me wrong when i first played tomb raider on my first windows 95 pc i was impressed yeah. and that sort of thing but like also i knew it didn't look Good. Oh, I mean, I remember now the first PlayStation game I ever played was
2: Crash Bandicoot 2, not 1, 2. And then Clancy Brown's voice came out of the mouth of Dr. Neo Cortex and suddenly video games could talk and have yeah. real stories communicated through dialogue, not boxes of text on screen. Don't get me wrong, that was a mind blower. You know, Mm. I want to stress, I'm not slamming the first generation of 3D gaming in this, but when as I'm just as a kid, I was not impressed by Virtua Fighter, and and I think in history the love for that era is not as abundant, and I think that something like the PlayStation Classic did prove that.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think we're going to see a resurgence of it soon because. You know, people who were younger than us and that was their initial gaming era are starting to make their fan games and stuff now.
2: But don't forget that the PlayStation 2 just turned 20 the week we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that, I mean, that was an absolutely essential piece of kit, like the PlayStation 2. That was where everything was going on.
0: I, I'm sure it was, but I shunned the whole thing because it was uh, the Dreamcast killer oh, you so were,
2: I was, Well, that's fair. <laughs> I would have none of it. You were still clinging on to that, uh, that Sega brand loyalty in the, that's right. in the early 2000s, that's right. Yeah. Those,
0: that PlayStation 2, they all break. They all have errors and stuff. You know, it's I, a load of rubbish I, PlayStation 2. I heard 2. that, <laughs> sure, but my, I, it's in a box
2: right now, and it still works. Yeah. It's the same PS2 as I ever had. I, <laughs> I know!
0: I know, I know. I don't know where I got that idea from. I think maybe the first batch had a bad batch or oh, something. Oh, no, I heard yeah, a lot yeah. about that,
2: yeah. I, I heard that, yeah, PlayStation 2's broke all the time. Same as Xbox 360s. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of so, this. So, what else we got
0: next? Then we've got imaginative imagineer kickoff three and wolfenstein coming to the mega drive what's interesting about this is that doom is only four months old at this point god yeah so here we have someone who again probably isn't familiar with the first person shooter as an established genre explaining it to kids who certainly stand a chance of having never experienced it like
2: they'll explain that
0: but they won't explain the saturn yeah exactly (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> hey, look, it, it it was years before I played Doom, although I did know the genre because of sections in the Amiga Jurassic Park game, which mm. predated Doom by just two months. I could not
2: tell you when I ever first played Doom, but it was pretty ubiquitous on the school computer stuff back in the day, you know, in the school computer Oh, you lab. could play it at school? Oh, well, no, like not as a school activity, No, but <laughs> in, in use of the computer lab. Could ah. certainly facilitate
0: doom. <laughs> uh, you see, our, our problem was our our computer lab was exclusively stocked at this point with BBC Micros because they uh, had upgraded. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so no, no, no such. Uh, we didn't even have Elite. Nothing. No such thing. Funny though that you mention the thirty two X
2: a second. Yes, yes. For uh, it? plug in and play? Question mark. Is a mm-hmm. Universal Virtua cart on the way? First of all, it's just a rumour. They say mm-hmm. Sonic the Comic would never stoop so low as to blow mere speculation out of proportion for the sake of a story. <laughs> but here is a morsel of gossip. And um, it's talking about the exorbitant cost of this chip in the Virtua mm. Racing game. And the idea that rather than produce games that have to use this chip in it every time, uh, that they would produce a plug-through cart, which you would plug into your Mega Drive, Open a slot on top of it and it would have the chip in it then you would put the game into it so that the games could be produced relatively cheaply while all the the work went into this plug through and
0: um it i well it's the 32x well i looked this up yeah and it sounds a lot like the 32x but what's interesting about it is that the 32x is not compatible with virtual Racing, to the extent that you can't play it. It's it's like the only Mega Drive cart that you can't plug into the 32X. Really? And get it to work. So the 32X is this concept, yeah. but it's actually completely different technological architecture inside. Oh, yeah,
2: that's, that's what I mean. Because this didn't actually happen. It, it evolved into the idea of the 32X, I assume.
0: I've got a theory as to what's happening here. Mm. This is just a rumor at this point. Yes. So I think that someone somewhere may have caught wind of the 32X... But honestly, they might have caught wind of Sonic and Knuckles. And yeah, the two may that's have That's also possible. Yeah. The two things may have because nobody would have thought, "Oh, the next Sonic game will be compatible with the previous Sonic game and you'll be able to slot it in." So they would have if they'd heard about this plug-in technology that Sega were right now already developing and, you know, would have presumably more or less finished developing at this stage ready for production soon, then they may well have thought, well, what logically could that be? I bet it's for this virtual Mm. thing, especially if they've heard something else about how Sega are... Also, developing something that will enhance Mega Drive games in some way. Yeah, because because we should say that the, the emphasis of this is that they they are assuming it's to get good 3D on the
2: Mega Drive. Yeah, the potential for decent 3D games could extend the life of the Mega Drive. Uh, I get especially when you consider the publishers are already turning their attention to Sega's new Saturn machine. Just name dropping again yeah. the there. <laughs> there it is again.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and the and the fact that they wondered in the previous bit whether Virtua Fighter might show up on a Mega Drive at this point everyone for some reason reckons the mega drive can be turned into a 3d console just with the addition of stuff bits and bobs and it can't i guess i i mean i don't know who knows it's all it's all it's all code, isn't it yeah
2: it's all the ones and zeros there's a special chip in it that's how it works I, actually, yeah.
0: bits. I suppose <laughs> theoretically it does work because yeah, all you need to make a 3D console is another chip than you had in a yeah, 2D console I, I and they're I trying guess. to come up with ways to like jimmy an extra chip into the mega drive somehow but with the, knowing that they're developing the saturn it seems like such a doomed idea to try and get a mega drive to do this just, oh, yeah. just make the next console guys i mean to be honest probably might have been a better idea to try and get the mega drive to do it given how the saturn turned out like well the problem is that this i, I believe that what we're looking at here is the two different ideas the two different sides of Sega have. Japan wanted to press ahead with the Saturn. America was like, uh no, Mega Drive the Mega doing Drive's doing fine. okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's just let's just keep with this and maybe enhance it if we need to. And both of them just whiffed it. Completely.
2: I'd be interested to see now, whenever they do announce the 32X, which can't be that yeah. far away in oh. issue wise, um, if there's any kind of callback to this yeah. proposal and see what it's evolved into. Because we'll, we'll, we'll hear about Sonic and Knuckles first, so we'll
0: see. But uh, prophetically, or whatever the opposite of prophetically is, that section ends with fingers crossed that Sega plumps for the plug through system. They do, it fails. <laughs> yup, <laughs> catastrophically. And then, just rounding out the news, Zonia, we just have some
2: upcoming releases from Acclaim Ryan Giggs Soccer, NFL Quarterback. Giggs. Club. Ryan G I G
0: G. Apostrophe S. S yes. I'm glad we're not the only ones who don't know much about football.
2: <laughs> and uh, Maximum Carnage. And then Simpsons games Virtual Bart and Itchy and Scratchy. Oh, And uh, finally, from Acclaim in September, there's Stargate, based upon the new <laughs> big budget science fiction movie directed by Roland Emmerich. Anybody remember the terrible Moon 44? Do you remember Moon 44?
0: No. Not a clue. Starring Kurt Russell as a futuristic soldier. (laughs) I did look up Virtual Bart um, because it says here two new games starring key figures from The Simpsons are coming out. In Virtual Bart, surprise, Bart Simpson enters the wacky world of virtual reality. Quote, it's very bizarre, says an acclaimed spokesperson, but that's all I can say for now. So I wondered if what they were talking about was what eventually became Virtual Springfield on Windows, which I did have. Oh, I had Virtual Springfield too. But it wasn't. Virtual Bart. I did look it up. It is weird. The idea is that, like Kid Chameleon, it starts with Bart... Uh, At a sort of it's like a science fair, and there's quite a lot of quite good on-screen little gags. He goes into a virtual reality thing, Uh. puts the helmet on, and suddenly he finds himself strapped to a thing that's like a big spinny roulette and mm. what it ends up pointing to is the virtual reality world slash game you're about to go into and what it ultimately is is just sort of a collection of just completely random mini games they made up with bart simpson's head stuck on them in some cases quite literally what was the deal with simpsons video well i don't have to ask what the know. deal with simpsons video games was it's because the
2: simpsons is not a concept that lends itself to 16-bit video games so yeah. that's why we wind up with Bart versus the Space Mutants and Virtual Bart and stuff.
0: I'll defend the first level of Bart versus the Space oh, Mutants yeah. to the hilt as being a great example of how to turn Simpsons into a 16-bit game, yeah. but then it just goes off the rails. Yeah, then you're just wandering around things that have nothing to do with the cartoon at all. Yeah. Oh, except maybe Krusty's in the background, you know? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, but, um, no, Virtual Bart... So, for example, there's one game that makes total sense as one of the mini games in a Bart game. You are crouched behind a hedge, throwing tomatoes at people, walking back and forth in front of the school, trying to hit all the kids, trying to avoid hitting all the teachers, or you get detention. That's fine. How about this one, though? Um, a load of pigs are ushered off the back of a lorry into what I think is an abattoir, and one of them is Bart Simpson, because he's a pig with the head of Bart Simpson. And as that pig, you have to, I don't know, run around and avoid getting slaughtered. Video games! Yep, it's just stuff they came up with to turn into a game. So, yes, the acclaimed spokesperson is right. It is very bizarre. Compo! Play the game. Read the comic. Now stick the stickers. This is the compo
2: we mentioned from before where you get a cha- 100 Panini Eternal Champion sticker sets and albums to win. So you get the full set of stickers, yeah? 240 stickers Gosh, I, oh, was, whoa, I, I was right. way
0: off 100 to 150 oh my god it's not just 240 it's a megamungus 240 well i mean obviously there's no I mean, that's way you so- could describe yeah. it that's pretty megamungus and they here are describing shinies as glitter stickers glitter which, stickers. now i think about it yes i also heard that term but uh we called them shinies
2: yeah shinies that's what
0: they were <laughs> you're right i didn't i didn't twig to that that they're giving away the full collection That's sort of That kind of takes some of the joy out of it. I I think so, yeah. I mean, mean, to be fair, there's
2: a lot of work. That's a weekend or two to get all those in place.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I feel like I wouldn't do it. I feel like I would stick... Because you stick them in as you get them. You put them in your album. It's pride of place. Yeah, because obviously they're not going to send you packs. So
2: I wonder what form they would even have been delivered in. Yeah well if you
0: won this competition please let us know know. i would
2: love to know because obviously they didn't ship them out in little blind
0: packs so what were they like uncut sheets or yeah what what did they say i don't know and if you did then that's because you wrote down the answer to the following question what is the full name of the eternal champion who was a cyber fighter in the future interesting tense there um hint a quick glance at this issue's ec story might help I confess, I don't remember noticing it. Oh, well, I mean, I know the character's
2: name, but I, I feel like this is a bad choice of question. Uh huh. And you may remember why from the Eternal Champion special. Because the, yes. the character's name is Rax Coswell, but yeah. Rax is sta- yeah. is notionally is supposed to stand for, what is it, robotic <laughs> armored exoskeleton or something? Yeah, like something that. like so that. So, what yeah. do they want? Do they want Rax Coswell or do they want robotic. Armored exoskeleton yeah. Coswell the third, Esquire. I think if <laughs>
0: I'm if I'm judging this, I'm awarding it to the kid who writes all of that. <laughs> yeah, well, that
2: sounds like a you move.
0: Yep, Rax brackets robotic armored exoskeleton and brackets Coswell. Coswell. But that's yeah. that's the one that wins for me. I
2: mean, I'm sure the answer that they wanted is Rax Coswell, but it's yeah. just an, an ill-advised. Question that they didn't think out the ramifications of, because obviously, me with my child's mind, I have today here and now, I have reached the uh, the problem that it poses. I do love the name of the contest, though.
0: Stick it to the champs, and that's actually the address you send it yes. to. You send your name and address to Stick It to the Champs, and your answer to Stick It to the Champs, STC twenty-five to thirty-one Tavistock Place, London WC1H9SU. All entries to arrive no later than the closing date of Friday the thirteenth of may hope it's lucky for you after that the first hundred entries pulled from one of larson's old hats will i think win. we need to start a spreadsheet for what gets <laughs> pulled out of what <laughs> yeah uh, if any listener has already obsessively started the spreadsheet then uh, send it in and don't come round to our house <laughs>
2: Then on this this is a half page compo, and then we yeah. have
0: the uh, the subscription
2: coupon is back mm-hmm. um, underneath that. But then on the facing page, we've got the result of the winner take all competition from issue thirteen. The, uh, the the spot the, spot the difference. difference one. where yeah. the, the details were pulled from one of Sonic's old power sneakers. They go to pains to use that phrase again. They yeah, do, they
0: do love it. They must have got wind of the fact that I didn't know what it meant, and so yeah. they're just filling the comic up with three examples so far in one issue. what right what issue was this in 13 Mm. i'm gonna see if that one i wondered if was one or just a printing error was one or just a printing error ah yes it's a it was a little bit of junk ink in the speed lines behind sonic and no despite that being a difference it wasn't meant to be (laughs) and then i'm absolutely not going to read you the winners because there's good going This
2: was the one with the huge like 90 some prizes wasn't it or hundred yeah. or something I don't remember how many it was now but this was the yeah so there's an awful lot of them and always if if you're out there listening and you won on any of these we do like to hear from you so uh, stctpodcast at gmail.com if you were a winner we'll bring you on. Shinobi. Shinobi. One,
1: two,
2: three. Oh. One. Oh. The Art of War, Part 5, written by Alan McKenzie, art by Joan Howard, letters by Ellie DeVille. His attempt to disguise himself as a Neo-Zed ninja having failed, Musashi finds himself forced through a gauntlet of deadly traps. Remembering yet another lesson taught to him by his sensei about the benefits of deceit and trickery, Musashi dodges the traps until he finds the opportunity he needs, which comes in the form of a cloud of nerve gas. The gas overwhelms Musashi, and when it clears, Zed ninja enter to remove what appears to be Musashi's dead body. Gee, I wonder if he's okay.
0: <laughs> yes, it's it's clear that the that he's doing a feint there. But the reason it's clear is because that actually ties in with the example given in the flashback this issue. Yes, but it... I mean, sort we, gotta, of. we gotta cut straight
2: to it. Once again? <laughs> Apparently, the art of war is lie, cheat, steal, deceive, (laughs) trick. That's how you win wars, apparently. It's just the same lesson. What is this, the third time? It must be, at least, yeah. Yeah, Yes, because our flashback, back to one page. It's a flashback to Musashi training with his sensei. They're sword fighting. He knocks him over, but then he goes, "Are, are you hurt? And sensei goes, nope, but you're dead. And he shows that he, you know, he has feigned defeat to lure the enemy in close. You know, to be honest... Uh, it's a funny thing that I remembered as I was reading this is that I don't think I got this when I was young. Oh. Because, um, well, first of all, we have Musashi just following on from the end of last issue trapped by steel doors in a corridor. He's then yep. forced through a, a gauntlet of, you know, spiked pits and shurikens flying out of the walls. Isn't this a lovely panel, though, when everything begins with the jets of flame shooting out? Oh, it's so nice. The, oh, yeah. Something about the lighting, Joe, is, is in full red, and it- it's because the art in STC is fully painted. So there's no yeah. line art for the fire. The fire yes. is a fully painted effect against uh, uh, an otherwise black delineated inked uh, artwork, and it looks ju- it just looks tremendous. <laughs> oh, great mixture yeah. of, of of lines and paint there. That's great.
0: It really does. I am slightly distracted by his overbearing ass in the panel above it. Well. At least, uh, at least uh, the blokes get their chance after yes, Eternal Champions. Yes, there
2: you are. <laughs> yeah, <you're> quite right. <laughs> Howard's bringing the equality to this. Eagle opportunity arses. <laughs> but yeah, so after he dodges a few of these traps, scythes coming out of the walls, uh, he says um, cunning traps he can handle, but not forever. What he needs is the right kind of trap soon. And then a jet mm. of this pink nerve gas shoots out of the floor and surrounds him. And the caption goes, heavy nerve gas. Perfect. And I have a memory as a kid of, of misreading that, of, oh. uh, of reading it as heavy nerve gas. Perfect. As right. a sarcastic... He's actually oh, annoyed. Uh, at like, the, oh, no, there. not nerve gas. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, but no, reading it with the knowledge of what the flashback has truly given me. Uh-huh. Yes, this is this is the cover he needs because he's not frigging dead. So uh, <laughs> he has exploited the nerve gas to appear dead somehow. And, uh, of course, we, we end on a a, a full page splash. hmm of the the zed ninja surrounding what appears to be his dead body again not something you saw very much in stc we have said no because
0: it's it constitutes if you're not careful you know a waste of space or at least if you are the creator you might think of it in those terms because you'd want to cram Mm -hmm. in a bit more but no when it's used well it has a real effect and this is one of those because you've got this picture of all the ninjas standing around of course we know that he's just pretending but there's there's an element of like anticipation they're like oh they're in for it also it's the nature of this chapter of the story is such that he clearly had a uh,
2: an idea for it mm-hmm. it's just that the idea was so simple that it Allowed this to be done. There's nowhere, yeah. nothing else in the strip is compromised to facilitate this big final page splash. They could have done some more space of him dodging traps and everything, but yeah, I mean they they already squeezed like four or five traps into two pages. So why why would you? It, it's it's uh, it does everything that it needs to do. Really tight, really well accomplished. It was a very simple idea for a chapter that's been executed very very well artistically yeah. and in terms of the pacing and the structure and what it allows the story to do. Just a little disappointed that the art of war lesson has tricked the buggers… <laughs> again for like the third time. <laughs> Although to be fair, the neo sinister voice that comes over the speaker at the start to tell Musashi he's, he's messed up does at least quote Sun Tzu. Uh, you forgot his fundamental rule: never battle an enemy on his home ground, which yes. does probably sound like something that was in the uh, in the
0: Art I've of definitely War. heard that before. Whether <laughs> yeah, whether, I, I won't ever claim to be correct about what is or isn't in that text. Yeah. but I'm sure I've heard that one as being from it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a simple one, but it's a very effective one. the Just Just pain of the yeah. Page of adverts. What do we got this time? Oh, it's the sticker collection again. Here. Again, uh, the, here we the, are again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They really want us to be interested in this sticker collection. Yep, 20p for the stickers, 50p for the album. Oh, really? Well, 50p for the album, I would
0: have gone at l- surely a pound at least, but then I suppose- 50p was the sort of number I had in my memory of what sticker really? albums cost. I suppose they are, they want you to have the album, don't they? Because that in- yeah. that's incentivizing you to buy the stickers. You know, it's funny, right, because I was just in
2: Eason the other day, we didn't say it at the start of the podcast, but sticker collections aren't really a thing anymore. They just happen for football.
0: Oh, is that right? Because I, I I suppose I'm not being a kid. I assumed I just didn't know. But you're, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of albums about. No, uh, there was a
2: flap like last year that the price of last year's stickers were up. I think uh, packets mm. of stickers cost like 80p these days or something. And to be honest, it's a little surprising that's all they cost to me. When you think about. <laughs> but. Um, I was in Eason, and there was a, an entire end cap of the new album. And I was like, wow, what, a, what does an album cost these days? And I picked it up, and it was free. Oh, yeah. Well. Because, that's what because it's like you say, what they really want you to do is they want you to buy the stickers over and over again. Uh-huh. Um, so, the, so in, in this case, the cost of the album is fairly low at only 50p. So, nowadays, to, I guess, convince you to spend money on the more expensive stickers, they just give you the album. That m- makes sense. Does make sense. I guess that's why sticker albums came free with magazines back in the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very easy to just buy a packet of stickers or have a free packet of stickers and then do nothing with them, as you- as you apparently did yourself. Um, but when you've got <laughs> yeah. an album, if you get an album and a single packet of stickers, oh, you'll put those stickers in that album. Yeah. And uh, and then-, then we'll be... Inspired to purchase more, it'll eat at you. It'll know away at you. It was the yeah. it was the loot boxes of the 1990s. Ah, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, i have I'm still. There's, that, now that I'm thinking about it, there's a little shiver going down my spine at the fact that that Popples sticker album and that Ghostbusters sticker album remain unfilled. Yeah, and that they, and that's it now. There's no one I can swap see with now. No. Nope. Well, maybe there's a comu- who
2: knows. Maybe there's a community of Panini oh. sticker traders somewhere on the dark web. <laughs> I love that they would have to
0: go to the dark web.
2: Oh, oh this God. is yeah, this yeah. is too much for the normal web. Well, it's it's been thirty years now. That glue must have aged into something you could
0: Lately, <laughs> <laughs> they're now contraband can't ghostbusters can't legally stickers. trade those <laughs> <laughs> imagine getting arrested for possession oh
2: it's a stick up gov <laughs>
1: oh,
2: that's a crime word oh dear <sighs> so this is another half page adverts uh, oh yeah. Then, yeah yeah and underneath uh, then we have uh, um, Batman and Superman I have genuinely no memory of this magazine being published yep. but um nope. Batman and Superman, number two, so it was only just starting. And uh, it's, it's, it's reprinting the death of Superman and Nightfall storylines, the, the two hugest Batman and Superman stories from the 1990s, the existence of which is probably the reason they chose to publish the comic in the UK. Uh,
0: yeah, but uh, that must have been an exciting time to be a UK reader of both of those things. Yeah, in one comic? Yeah. blimey Yeah. And there's an illustration of various superhero-type people fighting. I, I don't know all of them. I can see, uh, well, there's Rax Coswell in the background there. and there's, um, <laughs> That's Doomsday. Straight-up naked woman in the top left. <laughs> That's Fire.
2: <laughs> and Boo Beetle Booster Gold Guy Gardner. And I actually don't know who that is in the background. Oh. With the red cape, not a clue. Oh,
0: right, okay. So, well, we ought to read Who's Who in Batman, then, to find out. Oh, yeah, that must be a... Oh, that's why they're advertising it. A free, fact-filled
2: booklet telling you everything you ever wanted to know about Batman. Oh, so this character will not be in it, then, because they must be
0: a Justice League International member. (laughs) that is a naked woman how is that the design of a dc character uh, she's on fire yeah but okay she, she's the way she's that not they've green yeah and the way that they've shown that is by drawing a naked woman and then putting a little bit of fuzzy flame stuff around
2: her yeah well she wears a costume when she's not on fire it's like the human torch isn't naked he's wearing a
0: costume but but it's she's just sheathed in fire i mean i wear a costume when i'm not naked as well yeah you also don't look like you're wearing one when you're on fire <laughs> I, uh, have you ever seen me on fire Look, I have
2: plans and I don't want to spoil
0: them. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll look forward to that. Q Zone?
2: I think so. What the f was that?
0: Q Zone. Q Zone. Sonic!
2: Solved! Oh, God, I don't care so much! It's a two-page... It's part one of a multi-part... I don't know how long this is going to take. Walkthrough of Sonic Chaos. Oh, wait!
0: Is this the walkthrough of Sonic Chaos we anticipated when they said in the first poster mag that it was coming?
2: yes, it must be. Yes.
0: Let's see. So this walks us through the Turquoise
2: Hill Zone, the Gigalopolis Zone, and the Sleeping Egg Zone. So three levels,
0: three acts. So that must be only half the game. And it really is just telling you know it's it's a list of bullet points such as things to look out for a Möbius strip, things to watch out for springs.
2: Yeah, it's not actually how to get through the level because you don't need to be told how to yeah. get through a Sonic level. It's just play the game. Watch out for these things like they give you the number of TVs. Look for sixteen containing rings. Yeah. Um, Oh, gosh, here it is. As for defeating the big bad boss, wait for part four of this Sonic Chaos guide. So, sorry folks, we're not going to have an awful lot to say about the Q-Zone for the next couple of issues. No.
0: <laughs> Wonder Boy! in Ghost World Part 2. Written by Mark Isles, art by Boyan Jukac, letters by Steve Potter. Attempting to dodge the attack of the dinosaur ghost, Shion falls off the Skyrock Mountains and into the void between worlds. Lookout comes to his rescue with a magic handkerchief that turns into a flying carpet, but as the pair ride the hanky downward to find out where the ghosts are coming from, they pass through a cloud bank that sends them to sleep. Presently, they awake to find themselves in the prehistoric Ghost World, where they encounter Wordsmith, one of the Skyrock Mountain's poets, who has also been stranded there, but no sooner has he caught them up on the situation than they are set upon by a ghostly caveman and mammoth. Hey! Mm. This wasn't bad either, I was it? Liked this episode of Wonder
2: Yeah, th- maybe this second serial of Wonder yeah. is all right.
0: Actually, it's started
2: I don't want to. I don't want to uh, jinx yeah. it. But we've had a pretty good start here.
0: I can't really quantify exactly what the difference is, but this is just a lot of f- fun that it's having with itself. Well, so far, it's not doing that ironic thing mm, where it
2: yeah. makes fun of the game and the name and everything yeah and it's also not doing that thing where it forces its way through aspects of the game it's able to just get straight to the point of its of its own idea yeah the art style doesn't feel like it's at odds with what the story is trying to do. No. And the deadpan comedy in this one is genuinely pretty funny, too. Yeah. Honestly, I laughed multiple times during this. Yeah. And the fantasy that's on display is not the generic sword and sorcery, demons and magic fantasy. It's ghosts and dinosaurs and the void between worlds. Yeah. That's different. That's a different kind of of,
0: of science fantasy. And uh, I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. So as as an example of the sort of thing, right, this Lookout character pulls out a handkerchief, saying, where's that handkerchief gone? And Wonderboy goes, handkerchief. And Lookout says... A magic handkerchief. It's the sort of thing a person who lives on floating mountains always carries. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's just a little bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it's able to make the same kind of jokes that the first strip
2: wanted to make. Um, yeah. Where, where they, they look at the world and go, well, what's rational or not rational about this? But whereas the first strip was actually looking at things that were part of the game world and just making fun of them for being the way they were in the game, like talking about how the jellyfish jumped up and allowed him to jump on them. Why do they do that? This isn't it? it gets to be something yes i live on flying mountains naturally i have the magic equivalent of a jetpack handy (laughs) in (laughs) case i ever fall off
0: (laughs) yeah there's a bit we liked on the end of page three where you've got lookout who we've already met and then we have this new character wordsmith who arrives and immediately upon meeting him lookout says wordsmith we thought you were dead for sure when that pterodactyl carried you off Atlas, bless you Yeah, that's not a Cretacoolatlas they've drawn. Though. Oh, oh, is it? So what is? <laughs> it's so it's a real thing then. What is? One oh, yeah, of those? it's a real thing. It's a kind of pterosaur in real life. They had
2: big, long necks. So that that there does not. <laughs> but yeah, I love this Wordsmith character. He's introduced very. Um, Great economy of writing here again. Like, Uh it's funny because it jumps right from uh, the panel of Cheyenne yawning, going, I feel really sleepy. Hey, welcome to Ghost Worlds. He suddenly, like, wakes up. (laughs) There's no transition. Like, a comic with a bit more room might have spent a few more panels showing the hanky drift downwards with them lying asleep on it. Hmm. But it just, like jump cuts it's slam cuts to them suddenly waking up in ghost world as wordsmith and then you know in the immediate introduction is that yep he was carried off to ghost
0: world as well where he was dropped into a nest full of giant eggs that are Brilliantly coloured to look exactly like those ones with the convex plastic top that you put in a pan so you know when your eggs have boiled.
2: <laughs> well, they're all ghost... Co- oh, that's what Robotnik's got on the studs of his gloves on the cover <laughs> of this issue. They're ghost, ghost eggs. dinosaur eggs. They're all red and blue and brown. And <laughs> uh, but uh, it turns out they, they can't leave Ghost World because the stone steps go back up through the clouds, so they won't be able to walk up the clouds.
0: The clouds that send you to sleep. Mm. But
2: uh, (laughs) uh, we learned last issue that the Skyrock Mountains, aside from the cosmologists, were just home to artists and poets and writers. It's a a community of artisans. So he's one of the poets and he says, while he's been stuck here, he's composed some poetry. And (laughs) Shang goes, poetry? And Luca just looking around her, not even paying attention (laughs) to the situation, going, yeah, he's one of the Skyrock poets. Block your ears. Should I give us that poem, Dave?
0: I, I hardly want to, but I'm going to. <laughs> this, this is what Mark's come up with, <clears throat> and and uh, well, it's meant to be bad, but it is.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
0: I saw a dinosaur fly by. It had a mean look in its eye. I started to shake and quiver. That dinosaur made me shiver. Brackets, though not with cold. <laughs> That's worthy of speed lines, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's like,
2: dear STC, I have composed a poem signed Wordsmith of the Skyrock Mountains. <laughs> so then, over the horizon crests this this barbarian on a on a mammoth. They're both ghosts, and he's going, "Oh, kill, kill!" And Cheyenne comments, "Ooh, I think he heard Wordsmith's poem." <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> It's a good beat. I'm really surprised at how much I'm enjoying this second serial so far. It's, yeah, it's lovely. I thought I was going to approach it with a real cynicism, doing the whole dinosaur thing to ride the Jurassic Park wave, but the fact that it's off doing its own thing, and it's not feeling beholden to the games, and, and it's not weighed down then by their art style, or they, their their features, and it's just able to actually have a bit of real deadpan fun, and genuinely make us laugh, yeah. So just really a bit it. of mucking about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah just a bit of mucking about? Speed what is in speedline? Oh well, there we go. Carla Padmore from well. anstey Leicestershire, has uh, has uh, sent in a, a poem. <laughs> yeah, we've had a letter from Wordsmith here. <laughs> I love Sonic the Comic, and those who don't are moronic. Mm, yeah. Sonic never fails in his quest. That blue hedgehog is by far the best. Uh but the way he mm. treats tails is quite chronic.
0: Chronic, yeah. Thanks, Carla.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a few too many syllables in those third and fourth
0: lines. No, it's not, it doesn't scan very well. The use of chronic, no. to, which is, you know, everyone knows that's what you go to when you rhyme with Uh Not great. Sorry, Carla, It was a child. Of course it's great.
2: <laughs> Megadroid comes in with a, an AABB scheme here. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Carla, for your ditty. Even though it was quite bitty. Until the next time that you write, I'll keep your memory burning bright. Should have replied with a limerick, Mega You mix in your rhyme scheme.
0: A bit, bit rude though. Going straight in with uh, even though it was quite bitty. I mean, I'm not quite sure what I, that's just a word picked because it rhymes. What do you mean it's bitty? Yeah, what does yep, that mean?
2: Basically, Sally Antel from Castle Kerry is complaining about the price of Jurassic Park on the Mega Drive. Mm.
0: Yeah, because STC, STC said it
2: was 30 quid. She's seen it for 50.
0: Megadroid's like, mm, sorry, yes. got it wrong. Yeah, 49.99 is the right price. Those humans who think they're in charge claim that prices alter occasionally. Typical human excuse if you ask me, Sally. But no, they don't. They just got they got it wrong, surely. That, like, surely that was never supposed to be 29.99.
2: Quite right, too. Nicholas Palmer from Compton in Surrey uh, says he really enjoyed the land beyond and was disappointed when it finished. But he also thought... That they might like to know that whenever I get angry, I read your comic and it calms me down. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> but his, it's his P.S. that's really amusing. Yes, I've enclosed ten p for Megadroid because <laughs> <laughs> they go back delightful. to this line that Megadroid doesn't get paid or whatever. Yeah, and then Megadroid genuinely has yeah. to say, and I'm sure this was <laughs> this letter was published for this reason. Yes. As much as it pains me to say, please refrain from sending money, as it only gets pilfered by the editor who's saving up for a holiday to Bridlington.
0: Yeah, Bridlington (laughs) being a... I remember seeing on TV an advert for Bridlington by the sea as a holiday destination.
2: Well, I... I,
0: (laughs) I'm looking forward to digitising the advert. It's one of my fondly remembered was-on-the-video-between-something adverts.
2: (laughs) Okay, well, well, we'll put that on the Twitter when you do.
0: Yes, yes. We've got some nice pictures here as well. Yes. Uh, this we're doing the, they're doing a the thing again where they have kind of a theme between the two pictures. <laughs> well, there's Sonic and Tails, and they're two separate drawings. The Sonic is from Lee Hutchins, and the Tails is from Stuart Huckle. They are of Tilecross Birmingham and Sean Cliff Folkestone, respectively. And Tails it, I'm not sure exactly what Tails is dressed as, if you were to narrow it down to a word, to a theme. He's got sunglasses on, of course yeah he's got the sort of the fingerless gloves he's got a sort of jacket on with his with his stc logo on it yes the ta- the tails logo yeah and he's got an earring in his ear so he's just what looking cool and is that a gold chain around his neck i can't tell yes and it's got the word tails hanging off it so no, I don't well, know. Maybe- no, that's that's from the logo oh is it oh beg pardon so yeah i don't know if this is supposed to be a particular i don't know is there a rapper who looked like this or anything But over on the other side, uh, Sonic, is Sonic the Punk. It says it, and it's very clear about it. Because he's got the customary big red mohawk, and it's a head-on drawing, so it looks like an upside-down fez, but it's very clear what he's done there. He's got himself a bottle of what? Is it a bottle? Is it even a bottle? Oh, spray can!
2: Oh, yes, so it is. He must have graffitied Sonic the Punk. Sonic the Punk! Up above him, that must be his graffiti.
0: I was confused because it looks quite like a bottle, and it says S- fingers, fingers, fingers in the way can. Yeah, yes. Um, he's got what looks like a... He's got a little goatee. He's got a Hitler moustache. And he's got a... Uh, sort of generally scribbled on cheeks as though he's just sort of hairy in general. And uh, coming off the sides of his hair, his head, lots of hair sticking up. Not, not Sonic spikes unless he's dyed his spikes. Mm. And uh, loads of Sonic spikes coming off from the side because he's gelled them up. He's, he's made <laughs> his spikes all punk looking. And... For some reason, and I don't get this reference. Maybe that's because I'm just not punk enough. Oh well. I mean, you're you're pretty punk, Dave. I, well, I always thought so, but this is challenging me. I, I, he's holding a one-pound coin. <laughs> is in, that
2: what it is? I wasn't sure if it was. Like I a think ring so. Or something.
0: It, it says one on it, and I think crammed right into the edge so it bumps up against the outline i think there's a little pound sign oh, so i think really? he's holding a one pound coin i can only imagine that that's a reference to sonic the comic the podcast oh uh, yes because it's a pound coin
2: he's found and a pound somewhere
0: coin. so no, no wonder he's so excited no wonder he's what full of such joy. such self-relief that he can spray sonic the punk on a wall and not worry about being caught he's just unstoppable for he yeah. has found a pound coin yeah <laughs> nothing can stop him now which I feel bad because we've now left out only one person. So here they come. Yeah, Alan so I was saving them to the end. Alan Brooks of Bletchley, Milton Keynes. Oh, you were? Why? Uh, well,
2: because uh, this is this is one of those ones where they've clearly printed this letter for a reason, <laughs> the Keynes. I have been an avid reader of yours since issue three and have found STC to be the best magazine I've seen. Smart fella. The yep. only problem, however, is your letters page. You have pointed out that there isn't enough room to print every letter, and yet sometimes you make up your own, claiming they're from Dr. Robotnik.
0: We've made similar exactly. observations in the
2: recent past, haven't we? But Megadroid clarifies, these are pseudonyms sent in by Humorous Humes. There you are. See, you you came to the same conclusion as Alan, but I was on that Megadroid trip. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, we've got two letters here where it does feel like they've been specifically chosen to yeah. stop repeat incidents. <laughs> yeah, no, Again, not for the first time. We're being told off via letters page here. Well, I mean, they don't want kids to be wasting their time. I mean, you can't be sending money. That's not wise no. at all. It'll be no time at all before you're dipping into mum's purse.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. First you send Megadroid 10p, then it's 20p, and before you know it, destitute. Destitute we got a couple of letters in the old STCTP mailbag, which you can send us letters to at stctpodcast at gmail.com. Here's one from Alistair Thomas Bloomer, who says, Hello, Chris and Dave. Firstly, I'm not one to usually compose an email to two complete strangers, but I just wanted to say a sincere, heartfelt thank you for your podcast. I have suffered from severe depression and anxiety for around seven years now. And although I've taken steps to manage this, unfortunately, it does tend to rear its ugly head without warning. I'm going through a particularly nasty bout as of late, and your podcast has really helped. Wow. I did not anticipate that (laughs) happening. I can't remember how I found it, he says, although I think it may have been referenced on another podcast I listened to. But I have listened from episode one up to the current episode. It's like taking a trip back in time to my primary school days, which were genuinely happy for me. My depression seems to stem from my secondary school days, so being able to reminisce like this is amazing. Since I discovered your podcast, I've also been reading my STC collection. Similar to how a song can take you back to a specific moment in your life, just glancing at the covers does the same thing for me. For example, I remembered my granddad buying issue 5 for me, which happened to be my first ever issue. I remember seeing issue 1 in Sainsbury's and having a good look at it, but I didn't think to ask my mum if I could get it. Issues 13 and 14 I bought as back issues, and I fondly remember the Sonic Spinner from issue 21, yeah! as does Chris, as doesn't Chris's brother. <laughs> <laughs> I bought issue 24 to read on the coach on a year four trip to Scarborough. My mum bought me uh, brought me back issue 33 after visiting my gran in hospital. I even remember the small pack of fruit pastels that came free. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. the one you mean. I know the exact one. I know the one. I can't remember when I stopped reading STC. Looking at the covers, I have a feeling it may have been around issue 50. Although I do remember buying 120 with the Sonic R render randomly. I'll stop there again. Huge thank you to both of you for your hard work. Long may it continue. P.S., My son Isaac, four years old, is quite fond of Sonic at the moment. I took him to see the film recently. He loved it so much that he asked me to make a Sonic costume for him. I've only done the mask so far, but I've attached photos for you. As a bonus, there's a scan of a page from another STC-like comic you've mentioned on the podcast before. Thanks to you guys, I remembered having a photo printed in (gasps) it. Kindest regards alistair bloomer and yes he sent us lots of production photographs as he's making this mask along with the finished piece and a page of what must have been oh yep judge dread no man of the future yeah and there's a picture here of a boy dressed as judge dread Dread Suits Him. It says, I have almost completed the Judge Dread movie Spug collection (laughs) and also have every issue of JD LOTF since number one. I spent weeks making a Judge Dread suit and have enclosed a photo of what it looks like from Alistair Bloomer Northampton, free prize winner and... Dreadadroid says thanks for the great picture it's printed on this page oh yeah great reply and indeed it's printed right next to that letter well
2: thanks very much for that letter Alistair I don't talk about this too often but but a couple of years ago I was in sort of a a bit of a hole myself to be honest and it was content on the internet it was uh, the regularity and reliability and enjoyability of a funny internet series that sort of became a bit of a, a a light in the darkness for myself as well and it was my inspiration to start producing youtube content myself and off the back of that motivated me to say yes when dave asked me to do this podcast oh my so right. i have to be honest i'm i'm really glad to hear that we and dave and i can be that for someone else too and i hope things continue to get better for you mate
0: yeah yeah so i've, I've sent you the picture now of the mask chris have a little look in the chat bar there oh look at him yeah <laughs> oh, that's top quality that's quite an stc looking sonic face isn't, isn't it, it
2: though proper christmas tree head-on spines I, like, <laughs> I think
0: that's what i think that's what i've
2: heard people from outside of stc yes our the sonic the head-on sonic look the we had the christmas tree sonic <laughs> yes i don't mind i don't mind that there's
0: there's one for you i'll tolerate that the <laughs> <laughs> uh, small olive branch held out to the artists there from chris and also, something about the uh, the cheek on its grin looks STC-ish to me.
2: Oh, what's coming up next issue, then? Because, uh, well, it's a rather uninspired. I mean, it's, the it's next bland. issue thing is where it's supposed to be on the inside back cover yeah. with the data strip, but it's a very uninspiring one. A plain purple background yeah. with just the Not glorious, even a bit of clip art or anything. Not
0: even any kind of art
2: whatsoever.
0: Um Next issue, Sonic sets sail on the slave ship. Second time we've used the phrase slave ship in this comic. I don't know whether we're supposed to say that anymore or not. I don't know. Uh, know. Eternal Champions
2: and Shinobi reach their thrilling climax. Wonder Boy ghost-busting the dinos. Plus more reviews, news, Q-Zone, part two of the Sonic Chaos Solution. Sonic the Comic 24 on sale Saturday the 16th of April. It's still only £1.10.
0: And that's that's your lot. That's yeah. what you get. If you it, you know, next issue advert fans have to make do with the admittedly extremely duty one on the back cover. But that's yes. not for next issue. It's, it's not for next issue, issue but it makes up for it a little bit. It does, it? doesn't <laughs> it?
2: Lovely. If I remember right, it's Trident on the cover of next issue. Ah. Um but uh, yeah, I mean they're they're very. Um, Unassuming about what's about to happen with Sonic next mm. issue, like part one of the longest Sonic thing yet, yeah. And come to think, I think maybe the second longest one ever of all time, even maybe, is uh, is set to start next issue, and they don't they don't flag that up at all.
0: Well, perhaps because Nigel is still deftly keeping them in the dark about that fact. <laughs> Good point.
2: Yes, we did learn that. Literally, he wasn't letting on that. it uh, was only going to be two parts. I swear. <laughs>
0: and uh listeners i I won't go without telling you this i think you might be interested to learn but i've just been on ebay to find out if you can still get eternal champions stickers and you can (laughs) if you want the sticker album incomplete doesn't say if there's any stickers in it but incomplete you'll find that for 12 pounds 99 gosh that's almost reasonable Uh, yeah but thereafter the individual stickers are like 99p each but they are numbered individually, so if you're just missing number 233, for example, then you can buy that for 99p. Plus post? No, postage is another one pound. I thought so. Two pounds a
2: sticker, that's how they'll get you.
0: That's how they'll get you, yeah. <laughs> Between them and Megadroid, we're all going to be destitute. <laughs> But if you do, oh! If you don't get that twelve ninety nine, buy it now or best offer. You're going to be stuck because the next one is fifty five quid. The next one's forty quid. So get on it, quick. Get to business. Well, I mean, well,
2: given that we are clearly here now, responsible for the resurgence of the
0: eternal champions mania solely through this podcast, No doubt, people will be pouncing on those listings. It's clearly about to happen. For twenty quid, including postage, you can get a lot of thirty eternal champion sticker packs oh packs oh that's pretty uh wait or are they just stickers there's a picture of two packs and some stickers yeah no it's two packs and some stickers oh uh, oh well so no it's it's going to be very difficult for you to get hold of those i'm afraid i mean this is on the public web you know you know where you really want to go if you want to get the real thing <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, this is a good issue, isn't it? It's weird that yeah. there's absolutely no Easter related content aside from the <laughs> cover, but I, a cracking fun Sonic strip. Hey, cracking. Like an egg. Hey, there you go, eh? Like a hen's egg. Beautiful, exciting, fast-paced, tight shinobi one. Good fun Wonderboy one. Um, Eternal Champion's letting the side down a little bit with some confusing storytelling, but but, but <laughs> some very memorable visuals and moments as well. Ripping that gun off his arm. Look at that. Ah.
0: <laughs> How easy would it have been for them to just do some Robotnik Egg Easter stuff? Come on. I mean nobody wants that now though. That's that's your that's your mid teens stuff. Actually to be
2: honest, it'd be a bit weird to go from <laughs> where we left Robotnik last issue into <laughs> yeah. some
0: weird jokey egg one shot. <laughs> well that is what they should have done then. They should have had him break out of the egg for the Easter issue. You're right, that's what they should have held off and done doing how, until... How, uh, all you have yeah. to do is take some, you know, banked story and put it one one issue earlier, maybe? Yeah. Doesn't seem like they had any more at this stage, though. Yeah, guess not. Because we've got
2: Nigel now until issue 29? Yeah. So we're in a clean run, and, well, I mean, we'll say no more about it, but if you're ready for next issue and sure. the beginning of The Sonic Terminator, <laughs> you'll be able to find that and the rest of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a review, um, and you can also get it on the web at stctp.wigglehe.com.
0: Also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. It is at Sonic Podcast, or you can follow us individually if you like us, but don't like the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand that. Well, yeah, I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely, and you'll find us both on YouTube under those names as well. And Dave, you're on Twitch as well. I am, and uh, if you like this podcast so much that you'd like to financially help us to hire an editor so that I can do anything else with my life ever then you can do that we have a Patreon now it's, it is it is patreon.com forward slash sonic podcast there are currently no rewards Yeah, we're getting there it's, we'll do it yeah,
2: we will but we're just in the middle of stuff
0: right now we have to get out of this period where I've got to edit a different thing every flipping week because of all of the uh, specials they keep bringing out and one way we can get out of that is if we amass enough Patreon money need to pay someone else to do it i mean that's
2: probably a distant hope but uh, we <laughs> we do a, f- a few people have signed up to the patreon yeah, already, yeah and they have we must say thank you very much for oh, doing that thanks. because it is in such a raw
0: unfinished state you are getting nothing for your money right <laughs> yeah. now so thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah thank you you're purely signing up to support the show on us and that we, we massively appreciate it thank you very much yeah so our opening theme was synchronized by sonic the comic the band you can also support them by going to sonic the comic dot bandcamp.com where you'll find our theme tune along with all the other songs they've done but this this was sonic the comic the podcast and we will see you in two weeks time bye bye I have Chris my original copy of this comic, and mm. it does have the stickers still upon it. But there's something a little unusual about them, <laughs> isn't there, Dave?
2: Something we had not remembered.
0: That's right. These stickers are not in a pack. Yes. they are not blind bagged at all. They are what they what they've done is that I'm, I'm trying to see what they what backing they're on are. I would have to uncellotape them from the comic to really find out. And, oh, and I they're cellotaped on. I thought they might
2: have bound them in with the staple.
0: No, they're cellotaped on, and they have on the back of them a single design across all six stickers. So they're not even separate Eternal Champion stickers out of not, the pack. No,
2: how many are there?
0: Six. There, there are six right there? there are six but here's the thing about them so one of them is larson he's fighting Rax. that's one in a in a sort of jungle setting with a helicopter and against the sun all of that the next one is again larson and this time he's fighting not sure sunglasses target on his chest purple clothes blade blade oh that'd lid. be
2: blade in his alternate colors oh
0: and the remaining four are the top part of a single sticker you know those ones oh, where you wow. put the stickers together to make one big one and but yeah. not, but it's only the top of it there as clearly will be another two and it's a, a picture of vampire man whose name is midnight Boy, that's how they
2: made it up to two forty. Then, when they literally there used go. eight stickers per champion to include yep. the profile image of them, well, at least we know how they did it.
0: I don't want to remove it from the comic because it's still on the comic, man. But if oh, I hang on, eight, nine champions, eight
2: stickers apiece. God, that—that's practically a third of the entire album,
0: isn't it? There you go. There you go. But if I just bend it, we will see that. Okay, the separate ones are stickers number one five six and one five four and it says eternal champions the latest greatest collection from panini if you have any trouble getting your copy of the eternal and so this is a fully bespoke refers yeah. to stc back of the sticker peel off thing there and they must have been universal right it must have been the same, the six, same six ones.
2: stickers on every co- i wonder i don't know write in listeners